Welcome to another edition and episode of Brews and Cruise. I am your host, Chris Jacobson, and I am here with my good friend, another Chris, Chris Thrun. Welcome to the cast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, you and me, we like our beer. We seem to indulge in it, and you brought me something that you thought we should have on the cast. And it is Terrapin, which is a beer that I think we had at one point. If not, I know I've had it at the... Um, probably the beer tour at one point in my life. But what's it called? The Luol? So I brought in, yeah, the Terrapin Luol. Um, I don't know how I came across it. I think just one of those stops, walking through the liquor store, didn't know I wanted to grab for the day on the river. Yeah. Saw, saw the package again. Clearly the marketing caught my eye. So grabbed it and haven't looked back since. It looks like a hippie box. It does. So I see that it's got passion fruit, orange, and guava IPA. So that does sound like I would drink it on the river because another one that I like on the river, and I, you probably do too, is Mosh Pit by Surly. I do like Mosh Pit. So um, it's not it's like quite a, as bitter or forward as Mosh this Pit. This one? Correct. Yeah, cool, it's cool, a little cool. more fruity. All right. So do you know what Pog IPA means even? I have no idea. You tell me. <laughs> I don't know either. We're going to find out. I am not a brewmaster by any means, but um, let's crack this bad boy open. Sounds good. Let's open them. So you said you had to go where, to Wisconsin to get this? Yeah, so actually we had some friends pick them up from lacrosse out of Woodman's. Oh, yeah, yeah. Woodman's. I can't Woodman's. seem to find it here locally in Winona. This, don't know what it is. There are some places. I appreciate you picking this up for us. Absolutely. There are some places, though, that you can find this weird stuff. Crack it right by the mic. Crack it right by the mic. Uh, yes. Well, first of all, cheers. Cheers. Thanks for coming on the cast. Let's take our first sip. Thanks for having me. How is it? I like it. You can taste the orange. I taste the orange. Or it's guava. It's one of the two that I'm tasting because it has a different after flavor. But it is refreshing. So I said this on another episode. I can't remember who I was talking with. I want to say it was probably Hurley. Mm -hmm. And I said, when you think of an IPA, you don't think of a river beer or a summer beer for that. I think of very hoppy fall, winter type beers. But there are these types, which are like the hazy IPAs. And these ones, I don't know, they're just smooth. And they actually are pretty refreshing when they put the fruit into them. Refreshing is what I looked for. So so uh, is this what, would you consider this maybe your favorite IPA? Or do you have another IPA that's right up there? <laughs> It's a tough question. I think it's actually going to go seasonal. Seasonal? Dock cider, as you know, <laughs> is probably my favorite. Okay, so you know, I just want to stop you right there because Dock cider, you know, is my favorite, and that's from our local Island City Brewery. However, mm. it's changing hands. Did you know that? I knew they were changing hands. Okay. I haven't looked into it. What's the answer on our coveted <sighs> Dock cider? So our coveted Dock cider might change. I'm going to say it's going to probably change names, and the recipe, quote-unquote, might change. But I don't know how you change the recipe that much. I'm sh so the people that bought the place, I want them on the cast here sometime because it just makes I'm sure sense. They'd be great to have on the cast. Yes, absolutely. They would be because I believe it's a husband and wife or it's a couple. And one of them, as far as I remember and heard, he was a brewmaster at the Lacrosse Brewery down in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So he's obviously going to be able to make some beer, I'm going to guess. He might know what he's doing. And <laughs> so I think everything might be changing because my dad doesn't want High Forest to leave. But as long as you have an amber lager, red lager, black lager, something like that, it's all going to be roughly the same. 
So I said, you know, the guy brews beer, or at least he sounds like he's the brewmaster. He probably is going to make all your standard ones and mm-hmm. then make some funky ones like always. Because every you ever go to those, you know, breweries, you always see your standards. You got your IPA. You got a lager, usually a Pilsner. And then they go in, you know, porters and all that. Then they go into some goofy flavored ones, just like Island City does, to some testers. But right. then they always had their base ones. They sit with their flagship beers. Yeah. And then they do something a little bit different that people will talk about. Right. Everybody's got their light beers, their dark beers, but something like this, that's a little fruity. It's an IPA. Yeah. It's refreshing. I know I've had this at the beer tour. and You've been to the beer tour, right? I have. Yeah. It's been a few years, but I have done it. Can't say I know this was there for sure or not. Well, I know Terrapin was, but it's all the way from Athens, Georgia, so it's a long ways away. And Athens, Georgia is, if I remember correctly, that's where the University of Georgia is. The Bulldogs. That I don't know. <clears throat> yep, I know you were in Atlanta I for a while, there. so I was going to say. <laughs> I went to the town, so I know that's where they're from. So this is right by the good old state of Georgia, the Bulldogs uh, area. So Athens, Georgia is where the University of Georgia is. But Terrapin's a pretty big brewery. Um, what other be. IPAs do they make? They are not. Ugh, uh, man, that's a good question because I don't follow Terrapin a whole heck of a lot. What is it? Hop, Hopsecutioner? Hopsecutioner. That one could be by Terrapin. Is it? Does it have a guy? Is it a green box with a guy on it? Yeah, it's black yeah. and green. I think. Yep, I've had of, that Is one. it like a Grim Reaper on there? Yeah, I think that's what it, it's I something it like be. that. But it's very hoppy. It yes. has a bitter after flavor. So this is totally different. And that's why I love it. It's a yes. river beer. It's refreshing. And you know what's weird is when you think of IPA, most people, myself included, I think of hoppy beers, and I'm going to get this yeah, bitter beer face, mm-hmm. you know. But then they start making this kind of passion fruit and hazy IPAs, and these go down real smooth, almost right. too smooth for their percentage of alcohol. What's this one? That's the problem. Ah, uh, this one, I have no idea what it is, actually. Let's see here. We're going to find it. We'll figure it out. I wasn't seeing it on the can either. You know what they're going to do? They're going to make us. Drinking them. Drinking them. We'll see how it is. find out, and if we get a little lightheaded, we'll know that it's high, and if it's not, then we'll just know it's then, a wimpy IPA. Then we'll look for another one. So it's kind of weird. IPAs, there's a range. You can get any of them from like 9% all the way down to about 5% or even 4%, which is odd to me. What are the fours? I'm trying to oh, think of what man. some of those would be. There was one at Island City they had. It was... Um, oh, what was it called? I can't even remember, but it was oh. only like 4-2. And it was a... Ha- oh, Booylicious. Okay. Booylicious was a hazy or at least a lighter IPA, and it was like 4-7. Okay. So I don't know what they do to hop them up and make them like lead. But, but. usually they are. <laughs> usually they have yeah. a little more booze in them, and you can taste it and feel it. So going off of the whole river theme, you just bought a boat recently. I did. Finally yeah. got back onto the river. Okay. So did you have a boat before this? Yes. Would you have? Well, not before. me personally. Dad okay. did. Sure. So grew up with it. Absolutely. Yeah. And we probably put a ton of hours on that compared to Dad. Really? Yeah. Uh, on your new one? No, um, on oh. Dad's boat. You put them on. Yes. <laughs> you put as them soon on. as I yes. turned 16, me and 10, 11, 12 friends would go out on the boat, and we called it the Blue Whale just because it was a giant blue deck boat. Oh, really? It was a deck boat? Yeah. But Did you drive it then mostly? Yeah. Okay. Was, unfortunately, I was always driving it, so I never wakeboarded oh. tube because I was always driving it. Sure. So, oh, okay. So now you have a Yamaha jet boat. Yep. Bought a little 19-foot jet boat. So how, Okay. So how is that going for you, first of all? Good, other than a sandbar that came out of nowhere. Did you get a sandbar? Yeah, first, well, first week I had it. So I was up in the upper pool, backwaters coming back to the landing, 
same channel I came out of, came back in all of a sudden, water went from eight feet to six inches as I was cruising at like 25 miles an hour. You were in upper pool six? Uh, or above that five bay? So I was up by Buffalo City. Oh, so you what Oh, you went be? through two of them. That's five. No, I launched there. So we launched there. Oh, you launched up there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yours is 19 foot, so that's pretty easy to travel it's, with. It's easy and, to travel with. And you can get those in and off the trailer pretty easy because I've had the 20-footer yeah, yeah. Uh, sea dues. Okay, so you were up at Buffalo City. See, now I know there's a spot down in Pool 6 here. If you, if, Unless it's the beginning of the year, if you go up by the dam at the top of Pool 6, you come down, there's all those houses right along the river there on the left side. Uh, or on the Wisconsin side. Yes. Don't go back there unless you know that it's going to be higher water. I used to like to go back there and just kind of float, and then you'd see people wave to them. It's kind of fun. Just kind of shut the engine off mm -hmm. or just down to an idle. And you just go cruising. It's almost like a lazy river. It would just take you, and then you'd come out down by the bridge that takes you over to Wisconsin is where it takes you up. But I hit a wing dam there. Didn't do any a, a damage. A rock wing dam, right? Yep. Yeah, because usually the, I know there's a couple of rock wing dams out there. There's one in front of Cotter Island. Oh, Found yes. that one before on Dad's boat. <laughs> on Dad's boat? On Dad's boat, <laughs> What do yeah. you think about that? Wasn't too happy. Cracked I the bet. skag on it. Oof. We weren't going that fast, though, so like, it didn't do a ton of damage. Okay. But, yeah. And I, usually uh, you know where they are. You can see them. Especially so, me, spending a lot of time on the river. Still found it. Well, the one thing I like about the jet boat is the worst you can probably do is mess up your fiberglass. Let's put all you can... Which wouldn't be fun. Which is not fun. <laughs> but then you can mess up on the other type of boat with outboard motors. You can mess up, like you were just saying, all the lower unit area mm -hmm. plus your the prop, fiberglass. The lower unit, yep. <laughs> the fiberglass, yeah. all of it. So, yeah, that, you know, on our place, we have to be obviously very careful. Mm -hmm. So I hit mine going maybe two miles an hour, and all the boat did was just stop. I put it in reverse and got off of it, looked at it, it must have hit my keel guard. And I don't mm -hmm. know if you have a keel guard on yours, but one of the big giant rubber strips. I don't have a keel guard, no. Okay. No, unfortunately not. It's just one of those things. It's like a $200 thing, easy to put on, but it'll save you a possible headache from hitting a wing dam on that very mm -hmm. tip where that boat comes out to the point. That's uh, that's something that can be easily avoided with a $200 big rubber keel guard, right. and they sell them. So just a little piece of advice. If you're going to keep the boat long enough, I don't know if you are or not. Well, you know me. I go through things yeah. pretty quick. So, <laughs> so you're like me. I probably will, and if I don't have that one, I'll upgrade to a different one. Sure. So I keep going back on that debate. Do I keep this boat? I got it fairly inexpensive. Yep. I'm not into it for a lot of money. Or do I upgrade? But am I always going to want to upgrade them and buy the next newest, nicest boat? So you know what it sounds like you need to do this weekend is go to the boat show. <laughs> is it this weekend? It's this weekend. Rochester or the cities? Cities. Yep. Right now it's going on all weekend. I was going to go tomorrow, but I don't think it's going to happen. My dad said, eh, I don't really want to go. And I just hosted a basketball tournament a little tired. I mm -hmm. mean, right now it's 9 o'clock at night almost, so... It ended up in the cities two hours away for us, so yeah, I don't know. Right. If I wouldn't buy anything. I'd just be there to look in around and stuff. So never hurts to look. If you ever see what's had, out there, yeah. Well, they're all beautiful. When you go to the showroom, you're intrigued. Mm -hmm. I mean, your your uncle sold me my last two boats, actually. And unfortunately, he's uh, retired now, and so he can't sell me a boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, now if you buy a private party, he can't. Right, that's exactly it. Um, so if you ever had to upgrade, because you have a 19-footer, correct? Correct. Okay. If you had to upgrade, what would you do? Would you just go the next size up, or would you go completely up to, like, the 27-footer that I have? That's tough. I haven't thought about it. Probably just a couple feet. I wouldn't go all the way up to a 27 Okay. Feet. Um, just because it's nice to be able to trailer it, yep. store it at home. Um, it's not a headache. I can do it, get it on and off the trailer by myself. 27-footer, yeah. that kind of changes the game. Yeah. Hauling that around, towing it. You always have to have a vehicle to tow it, which I do now at least. But yep. 
I don't know. I, I haven't given it a ton of thought. Maybe a 21-footer so I can still keep it at home in sure. the garage. Does yours fits in your garage now? It does. Yep. Okay. The tower yeah. folds down. It's within an inch from hitting the top of the garage door, getting it in. What do you have, seven-foot garage door? Yeah. Or eight? Okay. Yeah, well, seven-foot. I'm actually surprised that fits in there, to be honest with you. But if it does fold all the way down like my C-Dews did, it went all the way down to the very front. Mm-hmm. Whereas the newer Yamahas, they'll fold like just there, and they won't even go past the, the window. So mine basically folds right at the windshield. Oh, it does. So the windshield's so the highest. Yeah. Okay. So it so folds back. Oh, it folds backwards. Yes. Oh, got you. Okay. See, the now the new, ones, the new ones fold forward like that. So that's a little different than what you have. At least you can store it in your garage. That's, right. That's and, always a plus. And when I first got it home, it was about two inches too tall. I'm like, this isn't going to work. I measured that wrong. But what I did is I took the boat off there, um, off the trailer, lowered the ramps or the, oh. the bunks. Yep. An inch or two. No offense. It just squeezes in, though. It's Did you tight. have to lower any air pressure at all? Nope. I thought no. about doing that. I yeah. thought about taking all the air out of the tires, backing it in, and then airing them back up once it was in. Sure. But. Well, that's a, that's good then for you that you could do that so easily because uh, the boats usually don't fit in a standard garage, no matter the size, unless no. it's like a fishing boat because they don't have any racks or anything on them. Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, was there any upgrades done to it or just standard? Nope. Fairly standard. Um, really original, low hours. Interior is perfect. Exterior could use some work. Sure. It's got some bumps, scratches. But I think that's why I got it for such a good deal. Probably. Um, I didn't want to dump a ton of money into it. And honestly, I wasn't even in the market for a boat when I bought it. <laughs> I just saw it on Facebook Marketplace when I was going up to the cities. I'm like, I got a couple hours. Might as well check it out. Sure. Went and checked it out, test drove it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy a boat today. Well, if I remember, you told me you got a really good price on it. Because you told me the price. We don't need to discuss that right now. But I remember I was like, that was pretty good. And if you don't know if you want a boat, and if you weren't even in the market for a boat, this is a good price to get a boat at. <laughs> Absolutely. Because even if I don't want it, no, I can get rid of it. I can sell it, make a little bit of money on it. Do you which, change your own oil at all? I, I don't know if I will on this one. I haven't yet. Okay. I'll change it at the beginning of the year. Might just have River Valley do it. Yeah. Or have someone local do it. Who knows? Yeah. Did you winterize it at all, or do you have a heated well, garage? Well, that's the nice thing is the garage stays warm enough. Okay. But on those, you really don't have to do a lot of winterization. Okay. See, everyone says it's so easy, but I'm like, I don't know if I want to take that chance. Uh, on I'm the not- jet boats, you have, yeah, it's really easy. That's what it's um, very easy. always Todd uh, Todd Fockler was telling me. Okay. He was okay. like, oh, it's simple, and so was his dad, Dwayne. He's like, oh, that's so easy. I'm like, I don't know. If some, I mess it up, now what? <laughs> some people just pull the battery and put it in the garage. Yeah. With the jet boats because it doesn't keep the water in it. Yep. You don't have to worry about anything freezing and expanding. Um, I'm trying to think what else is like. Some people will fog them. I That's didn't. what people yeah. were saying. I don't even know what that means. I mean, I got this podcast called Brews and Cruise, but I'm not mechanically inclined You're not at all. You just know what you like. I know what, what I like. You drive. Yeah. Um, I won't go into super deep detail because I don't know it 100%. I'm not a mechanic either, but I looked into it and it's basically just oiling the cylinder. So okay. I don't think there's any rust or moisture that gets sure. in there over the winter but then it follows the plugs so you got to change the plugs at the beginning of the year oh gotcha. not the worst thing in the world to have no. new plugs in the boat um so some people do it for winterization but it's only going to be in there for hopefully four five six months well we had a really nice winter so far and now right. this week it got cold but next week it goes back up to close to 40 so i mean maybe summer's coming but as my wife says yeah well we're going to get dumped down with a bunch of snow and a bunch of cold that's just how this winter's going to go. I'm like, well, I hope you're wrong because I would love it if it started heating back up in April. Right. So we can get back out. But and it's not even just the heating up, though. It's the water level. That, too. Yep. If we have a lot of snow that melts off at the end of the year, we got to wait for the water to come down. Well, last year we had that issue. Um, I didn't drop my boat until I think the last week in May or 
right after Memorial Day. And even the marinas didn't have boats in until then mm -hmm. because the water was so high. I remember we were watching it, and it was at not f um, drastic or severe flood level. It was just at a somewhat flood level where the levee did flood or that road. Mm -hmm. didn't come up that high or didn't come up high enough to go over the levee, which it never would probably. But we had to wait until like the end of May. I'm like, man, you know, you're sitting there paying for this slip, and week one goes by, week two. Because they usually start dropping boats in, oh, big middle or end of april they'll start dropping those houseboats in and but if the what if the river's not low enough they don't do that so last year i think people missed out on close to a month a good month yeah absolutely and do you put yours in yourself yep i'm trying i thought you did because so, i remember you telling me that last year so yeah you were talking just a few minutes ago about yeah i want to be able to trailer and still put it in myself I have put my in by myself by yourself no extra hands no extra hands i want to do that a little nervous yeah. um it's it's nice because it was, ah, what the hell was I doing? I can't remember. I was doing something and no one was available. I'm like, well, I'll just do this as best as I can. And I did. <laughs> but, the, you know, the thing is the trailer is really nice because I have rollers on mine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, your bunks, you probably have to make sure it's level on there as you're pulling it out. Because I used to have to do that too. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll crook it and so back it back in and try to push it over a little bit and then go back out and make sure because I don't want it leaning one way or the other. So it's not. You mean you couldn't just pick it up and shift I it around in the trailer? I'm not as strong <laughs> as I might look. I'm all into beer, man. Right. Um, did it have any sound? Do you have a sound system on that's any good or just fa standard no. factory? So that's one thing I actually looked into. This winter is upgrading sound system, replacing the speakers, adding an amp, new yep. receiver, head unit, maybe throwing a sub in it. But I'm like, all of a sudden I did all that and it's adding up to 2,500 bucks, three grand. Like, <laughs> yeah, do I really want to add that much more into this boat? Basically just yep. eats into any profit I could make on it if I flip it. Sure. Or if I'm not going to keep it that long because I'm definitely not going to get that money back out of it. So mm. I'm debating on it still. Maybe I'll just upgrade the speakers because right now when I'm, well, you know the jet boats, they're loud. They are. When, when you're full loud. throttle, they're loud, and it's not necessarily exhaust noise. It's just engine noise. Yep. So my speakers know it's the factory four-speaker system. Sure. Nothing crazy at all. Nope. It doesn't have tower speakers, right? No tower speakers. So when I had that 24-foot Yamaha, the one that, you're, that I first, you probably first saw, it had the tower speaker. I think that was the first one of yours I yeah, saw. Yeah, the red, black, and white one. Yep. Tower speakers were sweet. Those were awesome. I wish the new one had the 27-footer, but it doesn't. But back to the point I'm trying to make here is they're loud, and the only way you hear your music is if you crank it. Mm -hmm. Well, if you crank it, you can't hear your friends. But when you're driving, it's so loud, who cares? So you're like in the middle, like, do I drop $2,500 on a whole brand new everything, and I'm only going to use it probably going out to a sandbar or wherever your destination is, and then you're going to turn it off most likely, get a speaker out on the island or the sandbar, and you're not even going to listen to your boat unless it's going full throttle and you have it cranked full throttle. Correct, so. which is usually marina to sandbar, and that's yep. about it. Not too often do we go and cruise too much more than that. So you use a speaker when you're on the sandbar. Yeah, you don't have, you don't use the speakers on the boat. You don't leave it powered on. I don't because I've had my one scare before where I, however, I was out there for seven hours and I had the the house battery speaker going mm -hmm. and it killed everything. So this guy that had a um, uh, he had a Baja, I think it was one of the speedboat yeah. cigar looking ones. He had to jump me, jump start me really? to get me back. Yeah. So that's one thing I bought was a portable jump pack. So, so in I case the, those two. So in case the house battery goes dead or it's you leave idea. it on, yeah. or someone else might need it, it was a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, that's but not, like now in the winter, I keep it in my truck. Yep. 
It's and a lot easier than getting jumper cables out. Or being stranded. Or being stranded. That's by even myself. worse. Yeah, that was embarrassing. Well, first it was embarrassing. embarrassing. And then I'm right. like, okay, now I got to go around and tell everyone how stupid I was for leaving my speakers on that long. Because So, yeah, I did. I bought one of those JBL. It was an outdoor one. can handle dust, can handle some water. Mm-hmm. You can pick it up. Things loud. So I just do that as my safety precaution. I'm like, you know what? We can listen to this. It stays on for like eight hours, and it's very portable. Well, and you can loud. use that anywhere else. Yeah, and yeah. I use that softball. Yep, softball at home, wherever else, here at the garage. Yeah. So speaking of softball, that's kind of where you and me started becoming friends, I would say. I would think that's probably where we met. I would say so because you are – I don't think you're not – are you significantly younger than me? What year did you graduate? High school? Yep. 2012. Okay. So yeah. then you're six years younger than me. So yep. we wouldn't have even crossed paths. No. I think we knew a lot of the same people. Yep. Either younger than me, older, or younger than you, older than me. Sure. Um, and obviously, being around softball diamonds, things like that. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's how I kind of met you. And then I was like, well, yeah, I graduated with your sister. And then you have, and then your dad, my mom worked together. So mm-hmm. kind of crossed paths that way. So do you still play softball at all? I don't. Was the last I, time I, you played with me? Um, and that one pick, that one game I had you sub in like a year and a half ago. No, this year I did play. Did I play in a tournament or was it just a game? This last summer, I did play a couple games with Market. Okay. Um, it, it was fun to get back into it. Yeah. I don't like the full time commitment, and my whole reason to give it up was I got big into golf in the last probably three or four years. So yep. I couldn't do either one of them well while playing them both. Sure. Just the swings, just couldn't do it, and I just. I don't know. Softball started to get really competitive, going to some of the state tournaments, looking at national tournaments. Well, you were doing all that. Yeah. Okay. So, like, going up to Red Wing and playing and playing with some – obviously not a high division. It was, I think it was D, maybe even E. Okay. Which was fun. It was competitive. But I'm like, I don't love it as much as the rest of these guys do. So, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of hang them up. I'll play here and there just for fun. Don't expect much out of me anymore, (laughs) if you ever did. But I gave (laughs) it up because – yeah, I, I stopped loving it, and then I realized I like golf. Mm-hmm. I can golf forever. Sure, that's not going to play softball forever, yeah. unfortunately. But I could play golf hopefully into my eighties. Well, you can definitely. Do. My grandpa did it all the way to almost his nineties. Exactly. Yeah, it wasn't great golf, but it was still something to do yep. with your buddies. You can get outside, and so no, I will still play softball. But not at that same level. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at like three nights a week now. So I still love softball mm-hmm. too. Um, so you got big into golf. Did you always golf or did you just start getting into it? I, I would say, I wouldn't say I was a golfer before. Let's say maybe four years ago. Okay. I golfed. Did you but golf I, as a child at all? No, not really. No, I don't okay. think I had my own set of clubs until I was maybe until I went off to college. Okay. In high school, I don't think I even really golfed much. My brother's on the golf team, but I didn't really golf much with him or my dad. And then, yeah, I think it was in college. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy a cheap set of irons. So went to Dick's, found the cheapest set of decent iron yep. Callaway X-Hots that I could find. Still swinging them. Yeah. Until this year. I'll, I'll probably change out. So, well, you know, the the clubs I had just until this past summer, I had since I was in sixth grade. They were the Ping I-3s. Mm-hmm. 1999, the summer of, I got those, and I golfed with them. And to be honest with you, with the new ones I have, they're fine. They're the Ping I-420s or something. Mm-hmm. I can't say that the $1,300 I spent made a difference much. Um, they it's the hit, wizard, not the wand? 
<laughs> it's, well, it's, it's all me. So I'm like, I could have probably saved $1,300 and just kept the other ones that I had. So the difference is, is I bought these ones that were not oversized, but they're not, um, they're not oversized, but they're not a player club. It's like an in-betweener. And the other ones I had were oversized. So mm-hmm. it hit everything a little further. Now when I go, I have to hit a club more than I'm used to for the same distance of the club I had before. So now you only hit your four iron like 250 yards now. Yeah, uh, I've seen you hit yeah, the ball. I know, I've I know. seen you hit the ball. <laughs> um, so I used to hit my four iron about four, tw- oh, no, sorry, not four, 220 ish. Now I have, I can probably hit that about 210 with the new set that I have. Actually, you know what? My new one doesn't even have a four iron, it has no. a five. It starts at five. I can get one if I want it, but I'm like, don't really use it, and like you said, I, I do hit longer ball off the tee, so I'm already within usually a five or less. You you don't have to be humble. You hit the ball <laughs> a mile. All right, I hit the ball like an average at least 300, mm-hmm. and the courses we play here aren't long courses. You're no. talking a par fours like 360. Well, my next shot is usually under 100 yards. That's a wedge or whatever. Right. <laughs> so around here, but if you go to like a professional course, uh, for my bachelor party, we went to um, – what was it called? Northern Bay. Northern. Have you ever golfed at Northern Bay? I don't think so. It's like 30 miles north of Wisconsin Dells. So what they do there is they have, um, they do some replica holes. Really kind of cool because some of them are like Augusta National 13. Was that that really popular one? Uh, 13, 16. 16. 16. Yep. So that that one's popular. Oh no, Augusta. Augusta is. So what's about the little bridge? Waste, I was thinking waste management. Um, that's 16. I think, Augusta. I think it's 13. The one with the little bridge. Yeah, I, I know which one you're talking about. So you about. know what I'm talking don't, about. Don't know the number. Hey, yep. if you guys know, comment. We're stupid. <laughs> Please let us know. Yeah, we're stupid. <laughs> so anyways, that we got to golf that course, but then some of them, they had, you know, your 500-yard-plus par fives. So it did take you all of almost three shots to get there mm-hmm. like it's supposed to. But around here you go... Man, your longest par five around here is like 464 or something like that. That's right, just, yeah, depending on what tees you're playing. Yeah, depending on the tees you're playing, yep. too. I mean, most of the time, you know, I most of the time when I play, it's only scrambles. I mean, you invited me to one, but I don't mm-hmm. usually get out. Like, I think you go golf regularly, just individually with a friend or whatever it might be. I'm only golfing scrambles for the most part. Well, scrambles are fun. I know they are. They're amazing. <laughs> They're, a lot of fun. They're good after about the first nine holes, and you got a few uh, IPAs in yes. you. Yes. Especially at uh, the Bridges, they have good IPAs in the clubhouse. They have a great selection. <laughs> yes, all they day. do. They're like, one of them that I like is, well, they have Toppling Goliath, and we did a Toppling Goliath podcast already mm-hmm. with Hurley. And then um, they have... I think it's called Drakar or Draker. Draker, Drakar. Whatever that is. They have funky cans, too. Yeah, like... They have good beers. Probably puts this to shame. Well, yeah, A lot might. of colors, yeah. A lot of colors, yeah. So that's a little fun, because when you get to about, yeah, the ninth, ninth hole, they're going on the back nine. You're like, do we need to stop the clubhouse, get a couple more beers? Yes. Do we? Yes. Yes. And am I going to golf better? Possibly. But if not, I had fun. I had fun. I enjoyed it. And that's that's half of it. That, like Golf, <clears> even if you have a terrible round. It's still have fun. Yeah. So, what? How did you become? How did you start liking the game of golf? Since you've only been doing it, well, not that long ago. I don't, know, I don't know. if you I did? have. And I don't know if it was me and a buddy got into it. So there was. I'd say my first summer of seriously golfing, me and a buddy would go. I think it was every Tuesday. Yep. And then you could, when I was that bad, 
you could see the progress really quick. So I think that sure. got addicting. Is mm-hmm. hitting that one shot, be like, oh, let's see if I can replicate that. No, it didn't happen for a while. It doesn't but, matter how bad you are or how long you've been doing it. That feeling is still the mm-hmm. same. So chasing that feeling <laughs> yeah. of that perfect shot, that was pure. I don't know. So I would say it was probably that chasing the mm-hmm. improvement, knowing I had fun doing it. Yep. Um, thought I could do decent at it. The thing is, I play a ton of golf, but I never put the time in to get better. Sure. I tell everybody that. They're like, well, you should get better. You play You play all the time. No. Look at my grip. Look at my swing. It still looks like I'm swinging a softball bat. Yeah. Well, you know, when we we had our – you invited me to that scramble, and I did give you a couple pointers, and you're like, oh, I didn't know I was doing that. And then you started hitting the ball a little bit more flush because mm-hmm. you looked – when I saw you, first thing I noticed, it looked a little stiff. Okay. Like a softball swing. And then all of a sudden you loosened up a little bit. And it wasn't the beer talking. It, might, <laughs> it wasn't that the might beer. <laughs> it wasn't the swing fluid. You started swinging and then you started hitting the ball a bit more flush. And it was fun to see. But it's always that little improvement that's addicting. Yeah. It just is. Now, the thing I like about golf is kind of the lifestyle around it. I don't know. There's something about it. I, I would say that drew me to it, too. Yeah. And maybe it was probably about the time where I was kind of transitioning from college into my professional career. Well, and professional career. And knew that it was probably part of it. Yep. Or it wasn't going to hurt if I golfed. I knew that's kind of where, I don't know, not business happens, but relationships. Sure. Well, it's an easy way to – that's one thing about golf. It's so easy. It's like going to a brewery or just us sitting here having a beer. You go on golf, it's so easy to have a conversation with someone because you're doing something in common that you Mm -hmm. both possibly either suck at or you just love. Yeah. Or just having a fun time doing it. Some people don't think golf is relaxing at all because they're swearing all the time. <laughs> Depends on who you are. Yeah. I find it relaxing as long as you can separate trying to be the best golfer or beat the game because you're yeah. never going to beat golf. Unfortunately not. Yeah. And that's the one thing, though. you got to play the course. You can't play the other person. you got to play the course. Yep. Net is tough when you're playing someone like when I was younger I used to play in all these junior tournaments you got to focus on taking that person out of the equation trying to get par or less on each hole and they're going to do whatever they do rather than say oh man look at I got uh, I got an extra shot that I can uh, hopefully maybe beat them or I have a little leeway of mm-hmm. if I shank this one no big deal because they just shanked theirs you start playing that way and then it gets bad but instead of just playing your game. Pl- playing your game and trying to beat the course. And that's what I say about scrambles is scrambles are a lot of fun to play. Yep. But that's usually where I play my worst golf. Yeah. Because I'll hit three or four, see someone put a decent drive out there, so I'm like, oh, I can unleash. Yep. And I swing out of my shoes, yeah. shank a ball into the woods or do something, and then I'm not playing my game. I get yeah. into my head, and then it's just downhill from there, and I don't actually – you Set are so right with shots. this. You are so right with this because usually I go last on when it's the drive, mm-hmm. and someone hits a nice one. I'm like, cool, I can just swing out of my shoes, and then it screws up my my grip or whatever my swing for the next shot sometimes. Right, because I'm sitting, I'm not focusing on how to actually swing like you're supposed to. I was just watching this video of Tiger Woods. He said. When I swing, it's like 80%. It was an older video. When I'm swinging my driver or whatever it is, like 80%. He's like, now crank it up to like 90 or 95 and try to hit it really far. Mm -hmm. So rather than you got to be so finesse with golf. And it's tough to be finesse because you hit one bad shot, now you're in your head pissed off. And you're not going to be finesse much anymore. It's not like you can go out there and tackle someone like in football. <laughs> you have one bad play, screw it, I'm going to hit this guy so damn hard, it ain't going to matter, and I'll feel good on the next one. And you can do it legally. No, you go up there mm-hmm. and try to do that with the ball, zip, zip Same thing's going to happen. Most it's going to be all yep. over the course. But there isn't much better feeling than hitting a bad first shot, 
and then having an awesome recovery shot mm-hmm. from there and be like, well, I'm in the same spot I was if I would have hit a decent first yep. shot. So hitting those recovery shots, again, that's what keeps you playing the game. Yep. Keeps you coming back. Do you have a group of buddies that you go with at all, or is it just you traveling with someone going to golf? Because I, I see your Snapchat, and all of a sudden you're at a golf course, and I'm like, it's not anywhere near here. So I'm like, where are right. you, and who are you with? Um, yeah, I have a lot of buddies that actually have either picked up the game, love the game, yep. a couple of buddies that maybe are borderline addicts. Okay. So, But it, it's fun because any day I could get a text from a buddy saying, sure. hey, you want to go out and golf? And it's not necessarily a whole group text. I have buddies all over that like to get out and golf. Sure. So, and I don't know if you know me. I don't say no often. So if <laughs> I can, if I can say yes to golfing, I'm gonna get out. Yeah, and you, golf. I got you here. Yeah, that's didn't true. take anything that's true. besides just making well, the this was, work. This was an easy yes. Yeah, well, beer. Sit down, have a beer, and have have a and conversation. Yeah. I don't get to see you too often, so it's nice to yeah sit down. I think the last time I saw you was probably at my wedding or. Maybe a bank event. I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't even know if I've seen. I don't know if I've been to a bank event since September. No. Seymour holiday party. I was there. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that right. Be, so that would, we that did would, talk. I think yeah. you bought me a beer actually. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Toppling Goliath King Sue. Might have been a pseudo. Could have been a pseudo. It's one of the two. Yeah. It was over that new place in town. Yep. Um, yeah. The parlor. The good old parlor yeah. room. It wasn't bad. No, yeah, I that's like right. That place. I did see you there. So never mind. I did see you there. Um, so now my next question for you, golf related. You, I see you golfing everywhere. What? Do you have a favorite course somewhere? Around here, I have a couple of favorite courses. It's hard, right. hard not to argue a couple of the ones really close to home. Cedar and Bridges for two different reasons. Okay. Cedar. They're both beautiful, but Cedar's beautiful going through the bluffs, yeah. going through the valleys, yep. um, the trees. Bridges is just difficult and fun because it, it really challenges you. I'm kind of getting to that point where I'm becoming a better golfer, so playing sure. Bridges over and over yep. is fun to try to find different angles, different landing spots, where you want to be. Um, I do play league at Bridges, so I'm there often. Is that Tuesdays? Uh, that's Mondays. Mondays. Mondays, oh. yep. yep. So, um, back nine, that's a bitch. Back nine's, yeah, back nine's not fun. That's not fun Especially at all. Especially 11. Everybody talks about oh, it. Oh, yeah, dude. I commonly hear it referred to as the hardest par five in Minnesota. Really? Don't know if that's true or not. The second For shot. For a couple different reasons. Well, second shot for me is the worst. I don't well, know what shot is for you on that court. It's always the second shot. Now, I can get it over that crick, but it doesn't matter because... It dog legs, but you're going through the narrowest tree line, and if you're just off the left or just off to the right, you have to like punch it just so you can get your third shot up onto the green. And when I mean up onto the green, you're talking 30, 40 feet high. Every bit of a 30, 40 foot yeah. elevation on that green. So yeah, your second shot, even if you land your second shot between the two oak trees, yeah, you still have to get under that second oak tree, but up on the green, on the elevated green. So let's walk through that whole hole. Your tee shot, it's not easy for everybody to get over the crick. Right. So you probably can, a lot of people probably go for it, mm-hmm. end up in the crick. Yep. Or they'll go short of it, but then they have that first oak tree. They either have to go yes. under that or try to go over it, around it. I know a couple of guys that actually will run the left hill above that tree. Really? Yes. So uh, here's my second thought on that hole. You go short and stay up on top of the hill. So, you, I don't know, take a five iron, mm-hmm. hit it down there, and then you're already up at green level-ish, and then you swing for it. I've never done that, though. 
I don't know if that's possible because that's, well, maybe for someone. Yeah. I'm going to guess that's probably a 300-plus okay. yard shot from there. So then it's like what you were just saying on these recovery shots, whether you're there and you hit below the green or you're down and you have the oak tree and you're waiting to punch it, you're still in the same area you're most right. likely. It's what I'm there isn't a easy way to play that hole. No, that if is If you walk away one. with par, you're usually happy there. Uh-huh. I, even in a scramble, par's not bad. Sometimes you're like, oh, we got a par on yeah, this you, one. Yes. Usually a par five is where you shave a stroke or two on, yeah, in a scramble. Usually for sure. a birdie, and you're mad if you don't get a birdie. But on that hole, <laughs> take par and yeah. run. <laughs> no. But even after that, it doesn't get much easier. You get a couple blind greens that are down below maybe, even more than, what, 50, 60 feet below you on the next hole, 12. Yeah. 13's not terrible. No, that except for where the tee box is, is a pain because that 13 is that one that is like only 300 yards, I believe. Mm -hmm. And the green used to be back further with a fan blowing on it, but it doesn't do that anymore. They brought the green up. Right. So I can drive that green. However, where they always have the tee box, there's a tree line that kind of pokes out. Mm -hmm. So you have to be so precise not to hit the tree line because if you do, your ball is probably going to lose all distance or go in the woods or – if you just barely go to the left of it, it goes right towards the green. Otherwise, you're on the other tee box that goes mm -hmm. towards, like, 14. Yeah, so you're on that 14. one then. <laughs> that bag nine, that is a pain in the ass. It's, it's fun, though. It is. It's it, challenging. It's fun. It's a pretty course. It's beautiful. It's nice to kind of have it in our backyard. I know. That and Cedar and even some of the other nine holes around here. Yeah. Wilson and Westfield are fun. So then going outside of our Winona area, I, some of these places I see on your Snapchat, I've never even heard of, so I don't know how far away you even are. Are you a couple hours, a, a weekend trip? or It's usually within two hours. Okay. Usually. So what's your favorite one just outside then? Because I've heard of, obviously, Bridges, Cedar. You talk mm -hmm. about those. I know what you're talking about. Now I want to hear one that I don't know, and you're like, yep, I love going there Ooh, if I can go there again. Yeah. There's probably about five of them within an hour that I really like going to. Really? Um, lacrosse area, I like Fox Hollow. Okay, never golf there. I don't get out golfing much okay. outside of this it's area. So Bear Mills, so just outside of Lacrosse a little okay. bit. Cedar Creek, it's a private course, though, so getting on there is a little tougher. Oh, I usually really? play it two or three times a year, but it's it's a beautiful Cause course. Because you have the inn. Yes. You play yeah, a couple tournaments well. there and know a couple people there that sure. you can get on with them. Yeah. But you step out of the cart, it feels like you're stepping on carpet. <sighs> the fairways are plush. I've only golfed at, like, maybe one course like that in college. Where I was on the golf team, and we were going, we were at a regional, um, and it was in Burlington, Iowa, and they hosted. I want to say the qualifying rounds for the 2000 and the 2006 U.S. Open. Mm -hmm. That was where the qualifying rounds were, I guess. It was something like that. You have to look it up. But anyways, same thing. Like you said, you go down there. And it's just plush. However, when you get into the rough, it's real rough. Mm -hmm. And when I mean real rough, it's not longer grass. It's thick grass where you need to club up one or two. Mostly it's two. If you can even find the ball. If you can if find you, the ball. Right. And you'd be lucky you break 90. I didn't break 90, and I was on the golf team. Not to say I was, like, I was on a junior college golf team. Still had to be decent. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, we couldn't break 90. It was tough. And That's tough. That makes me feel better about my game. <laughs> yeah, break, break yeah. 90. It was rough, man. But you, a real rough, when you watch professionals, you don't even realize 
how good they are because you don't realize what they're playing at. Now, you're right. They're playing on these beautiful courses with awesome fairways. So, like, when you hit it, it's not a big chunk of dirt coming up. It's like this flush sand. It's just oh, like they, they swim yeah. right through it. But they're but then when they get in trouble, they are in trouble. They're not, like, in longer grass. They're in thick weeds, really long grass. I mean, look at St. Andrews. That's right. It looks easy, but then all of a sudden you get off in the rough, and it's like – this brush that's like knee high. Good luck finding your ball <laughs> no and then kidding. getting it out of there. Yes. So that's why it's important for them to stay in the fairways. It would be nice if I could hit a fairway every time. That would be Can't beautiful. Do it. Can't do it. <laughs> no. And the funny thing is for golfers like us, we'll miss a fairway completely. Yep. And then find this little window between a couple trees and be like, you know what? I think I could hit it between there. Sure. Not, then, not a chance. And it comes back and hits you in the nuts. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I've had one ball come back at me. Really? Yeah. It hit you? It didn't hit me and it hit the cart. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it's just fun to go out there and, like, we're not playing for money. We're not playing for anything big. Might as well go for it. Yeah. What's the point of punching it out here to get back in the fairway? Right. Go through the trees. Take the shot. Take the shot. Yeah. Go you're not – well, unless you're playing for big bucks, but you're probably not. No, but other than Fox Hollow, so going back to those courses, I'd say the Jewel up in Lake City. Ooh, yes. That's that the one uh, – who designed that one? Hale Irwin? I believe. I, he, I don't know that. I believe it's Hale See, Irwin. That's where my golf knowledge – Okay. I don't have that golf knowledge. I'm like, I just like playing the game. Now, the reason I know that is because my friend from uh, grade school, his mom was going to was an accountant for them or something, or at least she worked in Lake City, and I think she was going to work at the Jewel for something that they were doing. And I believe it's Hale Irwin okay. who was the designer of that course. I've never been there, but I hear it's beautiful, and, I, and it's only an hour away. Mm -hmm. So I got to get there sometime or else we got to go. It's yeah. one of the two. Because I don't have many buddies that really go out of town to go golf. They'll golf in town here, no problem. Mm -hmm. But going out of town an hour, I mean, it does. You got to figure a whole day if you play 18. I mean, you got at least four hours. But it's fun to make a day out of it. Oh, it is, yes. Because we do the same thing with, like, snowboarding and stuff yep. like that. We go and, uh, you know, you're going to be there for a few hours, and it's going to take you about an hour to get somewhere. So uh, it's the same concept, just different. But mm -hmm. I never, ever get out of town to golf for some odd reason. I don't know what it is. We're and I love change golf. that this summer. I know. But it's really hard for both of us. Well, I know. Especially you. You got softball. Yep. You got the boat. Yep. And then golf. I know. It's hard to say no to a boat day when it's like 85 and sunny out rather than going golfing. So it's, it is, it's tough. I mean, you probably know that too. Now that you're right. a boat. Now that you got so a boat. what I did this last summer was I tried to golf early. Golf 8 to noon Oh. at a decently local course. So mm. then I can get on the water by 1230. You're ambitious on that 8 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> morning golf is fun. Is it's it? actually a lot easier to get up for morning golf than just about anything else. Oh, really? Yeah. Man, I remember golfing in those tournaments when I was a kid, and it was morning. I'm like, oh, gosh, this sucks. Really? I did the around, I don't know. Do you remember the around the county golf? Where there was so, when I was younger, they had this thing called the around the county golf tournament. And you went and golfed at five different golf courses in our county okay. for five days. And then, obviously, a total of your score is where you placed. Every day was like 8 a.m., so driving to St. Charles, and I am not a morning person. I get up to go to the gym in the morning. Not that I like it. It's just so I can get it out of the way in case something comes up in the evening, mm -hmm. but I absolutely hate mornings. I don't know what it is, but anyways, kudos to you for that because I couldn't – well, I can. I could do that, mm -hmm. but uh, it's not like I'm like, hey, let's go golf at 8 a.m. I'm like my dad, I guess. I can't get up in the morning. See, I enjoy it. For golf, I will. Yeah. There's a few things I'll get up for. Sure. What other golf. things do you get for in the morning? Work. Work. <laughs> Shit. It's not the gym. <laughs> yeah, not the gym. I promise right. you that. No, it's not the gym. But yeah, golf. Okay. I'll get up for because then you're done early. Yeah. You well, got you got true. a full day ahead of you. So even if I'm not going on the river, 
I got a full day to go do whatever else I yeah. want. Or I've had a few drinks and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to nap the afternoon. <laughs> Listen, that my afternoon right. away. Damn. And, and I've done that before. Then you wake up at four. You're like, oh, I kind of wasted the whole day. Afternoon. I know. Yeah. Well, okay. So you have two courses. What's You said there's like three other ones that you really like around the area. But where was that second one? Well, no, I saw you just did the third one. That second one that you said, it was like a private one. Where's that one located? Cedar Creek. That's in, I think it's technically on Alaska. Okay. Maybe Holman. Right so the lacrosse area. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And then Jewel Lake City. Where are the other two then? Um, I gotta think. I guess the two that I like playing, and it might just because of the scenery, would be Coffee Mill, actually. Oh, really? I feel like not a lot of people, because you go up there, and unfortunately, it's quiet. Sure. But well, that's it's only a, half hour away. It's a beautiful course. It's You play on the top of the bluff, so yep. you got views of the river, of the valleys. Sure. Um, what is it? Mount Frontenac? Between yep, I did golf Wing, there once. Lake City. And then the Highlands at Mississippi uh, National, right Ooh, before Red Wing. That that one I golfed at. Uh, I think it was for high school. I golfed there. So yeah, so they Wasn't have bad. they have two 18s. Yes, that's right. They did have. So two in 18s. college, the membership there was like two hundred and twenty-five dollars for a yep. student. So I'd go play eighteen, go grab lunch, come back play another eighteen. Jeez, <laughs> thirty-six holes in a day. Huh? Yeah, I, I've only done it a couple times in my I life. Am. I don't know if I'll do it again. Because me and a well, buddy, we did that at the Jewel this year. It was probably one of the last weekends the Jewel was open. It was fall. Yep. Colors were beautiful. Tough to find your ball. Leaves everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's tough. Absolutely. Um, but no, we played 18. We're like, well, if we play another round, it's cheap because, unfortunately, the Jewel is not cheap to play. How much is it? I believe a normal weekend is about 110. With cart or without? With a cart, yep. Um, I suppose that's not bad. You know, but I spent it's, my but money. it's worth it. It's, yeah. it's a really nice course. I spent my money worse. You know, you go oh, yeah. snowboarding, it costs you like 50, 60 bucks for a lift ticket. You eat there, you're already up to 100 bucks just doing that. Mm-hmm. Things ain't cheap no more, man. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> it, it golf's one of those things that it's, I don't know if I really budget it, and maybe I should, but I just golf and just keep budget. Golfing. Put a golf budget, half my paycheck. It's probably, it's probably one of my higher expenses just sure. because i golf all the time i think this year was probably 60 or 70 rounds yeah so that's, that adds that's up a on, lot and dude. just green fees and then you got golf balls you get all the accessories that go oh, along yeah, with well, new yeah. clubs did you so, get new ones or you still got the no, same ones you bought still have the same ones okay. probably this winter the callaways you said yep callaway hats. any idea of what you think you might want i'm trying not to go in there with an idea of what i want because i don't want that to skew sure what i hit yep um, uh, you know i i kind of did that to myself a little bit i was high on ping mm-hmm. so i kind of wanted to stick with ping the other option that they gave me that was actually when they were fitting me however good a fitting can be on a green screen when they're putting the little tape on the bottom yep. i think the other one that they said was good for me was tailor-made any idea what Taylor made? I don't remember. 790s, 770s. Nope, don't nope. remember that. Okay. Um, all I know is I was like, I'm pretty partial to Ping, so kind of want to stick with Ping because I had such good luck with them, and I had them for 23 years prior to that. So. And you must have hit them well enough yeah. on the screen to be like, yeah, you know what, let's go with them. Yeah, I did. Um, it, they were both hitting pretty close to the same accuracy. The only thing with the Ping, like I was telling you, is it hit like 10 yards uh, lower because it's not a blade and it's not an oversize. Mm-hmm. It was right in the. It wasn't. What the hell? Do and you call I know it? the name for that. Um, it's like a player it's improvement. Not a player. It's not a game improvement. It's a. I don't know, but did you hit any blades? Yes, I think I did hit the blades of Titleist. I want to say. Okay. 
They weren't great. It didn't well, feel they're, good. They're not easy. They have that sweet spot's yeah. tiny. You got to be a really good golfer to hit. It felt like I was hitting a damn rock. Yeah. And I didn't like that feel. Probably because you're missing that sweet spot. Yeah. Which is well, much that too, probably. Clubs, but <laughs> when you hit it, you have a lot more control with it. Sure. So you can shape shots. Yeah. Well, I know that's what most of the pros kind of play with is those blade yeah. types. I, I would imagine they all do. I don't know yeah. for a fact, though. Some of them might have different clubs in their bags. Well, you watch some of those shots. They hit around corners, dog legs, and so I'm like, how the heck did they hit that The thing? only time I can do that is when it's going right and it's a slice. <laughs> Unintentional. <laughs> Unintentional. I, I, know how to do, I know how to do the draw or not the draw so much, more of the hook yeah. around something. Just twist that right hand over like it's a baseball bat, and it just whoop. However, the next shot, you got to be careful because of the fact that now you think about that right hand. Don't you do that. Don't do it again. Try yeah. to straighten it out again. So when you're, um, when you're playing, now here's, i got a question for you. What are you wearing? Are you going there looking like a pro or are you? Uh... It depends on where I'm playing. Okay. Um, yeah, usually I'll, I'll wear golf shorts, whatever those sure. might yep. be, and, or pants, yep. and a polo, probably a quarter zip. Honestly, I might wear this. Damn, you're fancy. Fancy, fancy than me. Uh, but it depends on what course I'm playing. Sure. I don't know. Public course, you're going to wear something a little less. But I don't think, like, you should be required to wear that. I don't know. It's comfy. I like playing the part. Yeah. Well, they say half part of the game is looking the part. <laughs> At least if you didn't shoot good, you look good. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, but so no. I well, when I used to play, I used to love playing in, like, Basketball shorts and a tank top. You're comfy. Why I'm not? very comfy, yeah. Why not? However, and this is where I'm going with this, uh, the brand that I love now is Bad Birdie. I love all Bad Birdie stuff, so I have probably six polos by them. I have my golf shorts mostly. I mm -hmm. wear the Nikes because they're nice. But um, that feels the closest to not having sleeves on while still looking the part. So that's what I was asking you. Do you have a specific brand that you wear or just whatever you have? I wouldn't say I have a specific brand. I've, you look in, I have a golf closet. <laughs> I have so, a golf closet. So you look, yeah, I have all the pants hanging and then I have all the polos hanging. Half of it is like basic, just solid colored polos. Maybe yep. have one other color on them. And then the other side is wild print. You grabbing one? I'll grab grabbing one. one here. Take another, crack it by the mic, baby. Have another. Ah, that's the sound of a refreshing IPA for the summer. For the summer months, boys and girls. Golf season. This is good, Boat dude. Season. This is, I don't know. This Have is, you had it before? Oh, 6.5, dude. I found it. Right there, 6.5. Yep. All right. So, so now that you're drinking it, do you remember it? Have you had it before? I feel like the one day we're I know on the I've river. Had it. I just it doesn't bring back a memory in my head that I've had it, but I know I've had this because I've seen this box before. Okay. So I've, and I've seen this can before. It's hard to forget it. Yeah, no kidding. It is hard to forget. Right. Um, so going off of now golf, here's where I want to go back to because I know you're into cars. You've been into cars. Yes. But I don't know how much you've been into cars because of the fact that we weren't, well, we're six years apart. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know where your car journey begins. Mine began with a 2002 Jeep Grand Cherokee, and it's <laughs> evolved into some of these behind us. But where, what was your first car, and then what did you have after that? Because I know that you had, I want to say, Mustangs and stuff like that. I've had a few Mustangs. Yeah. So do you remember any of my quote-unquote fun cars? No. I, no? Well, I okay. mean, I know so, your Jeep Gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably one of it, it was fun, but it was, I don't know. It's a box, a brick on wheels. Couldn't get <laughs> out of its brick on wheels. Couldn't get out of its own way. It, it, it was a cool car, and that's kind of why I got it. Sure. Eventually, it was 
that novelty kind of wore off. So do I don't know. If, yeah, hopefully they can hear me. I think you're coming in good. Sweet. Sounds good. Um, but no, it all started with a 2000 Mitsubishi Eclipse GT. Of course. Why would it not? Drop top? No, no. Hard top. Coupe. Um, too fast, too I, furious. I thought that, that's exactly where it started. Fast <laughs> yes. and the furious. Um, so no, it wasn't a drop top like in Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, man. Who was that that drove that? That was, was Tyrese. It? Was that Tyrese, yes. Tyrese Gibson, yes. yes. And it was eventually similar to that. So I bought it completely stock. I think I bought it when I was 14. Okay. So we went and picked it up, me and my dad and I think one of his buddies. Brought it home, parked it in the garage, let it sit for a year before I got my license. Sure. Slowly but surely. I don't know how I had the money to do it, but... <laughs> Upgraded it per se. Um, oh yeah, what were you upgrades? <laughs> what were they upgrades? Threw some aftermarket wheels on it. Of course, of course. All, it, this was all found on Craigslist. Sure, good old Craigslist That's before Facebook Marketplace was even yeah. a thing. Well, Craigslist is pretty ghetto. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been on there in a while. Well, you could, but you, I found you some still good get stuff hookers on there. On there I think. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, I know. Not on that. Facebook Marketplace. No, you can't do that. No. On Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> That's frowned upon. So what else? Okay, rims on that bad boy. You had to have had the the exhaust. Oh yeah. Oh me. That was probably two. Put a big old can on it. Sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> big old can. Even though that thing had no power, but it oh. sounded like it could. Oh Maybe. yeah. Well, at least I thought it was. I was 16. I thought it was sweet. So, but well, I mean, that's still a cool car at 16. Yeah. No, yeah. Nobody else is driving black that. Black leather. It was a fun car. Um, so yeah, I had white car, black wheels, threw the exhaust on it, threw underglow on it. Oh yes, yes, dude! I love underglow. Did you have any multicolor, or was it one color? So I had multicolor. Okay. But I always just left it. I think on red. Okay. I don't know why. Me and a buddy put it on in his driveway one night. His dad's driveway. <laughs> through dude. through the yeah. So, it sounds like what I did too. And at that point in time, I didn't have another car, so I drove it all winter. Well, hitting ice destroyed those lights on there. Yeah. Cracked the bulbs. Yeah. They'd be dragging. I'd have to replace the bulb. Throw a new one on there. So then I'm like, you know what? I should probably get a winter winter car. You probably have. I mean, that's the next best option, right? And that's what I did. So I kept that, parked it for the winter, keeping it in the garage like it was a beautiful car. No, it was like a $5,000 Mitsubishi Eclipse. <laughs> Dude, but at oh, the time. Hold on, hold on. With the, with, the, uh, with the lights, did you have the lights with the bulbs in them? Yeah, so I think it was like, they were like tube lights. Yep, tubes. But they were LED lights throughout the tube. Okay, so you were in between, or you were just after what I had. I had the those, but they were bulbs in them. Okay, no. And the, so you had LEDs. Now, yes. if you want to do it, they have like LED strips, I believe. Which would be pretty sweet. That's Maybe we need to get back to it. Well, I thought about putting on my cycle, because people do that. See, on sweet. the bikes, I think it's sweet on the bikes. Like, I would yeah. never actually put it on a car anymore. I don't know, I'm just over it. Oh, I still it like it. I still like cool. it. Yeah, I don't hate it. Like, <laughs> it's it, on the Mustang right back there. Oh. I mean, I shouldn't I, 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 I want, yeah, But I the Supra behind us. It kind of would fit in the Supra. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It would. But no, on a bike, I really like an LED placed perfectly yep. on a bike. And they do that, and it's not even that expensive. It's just putting all the wires everywhere. Mm -hmm. I would Hiding the wires, in. trying to hide the lights a little bit, but it reflects off all the chrome if there is chrome on it or just off the engine. Yeah. So it, it looks pretty sweet on a bike. I agree. Um, but no, going back to the Eclipse. Yeah. You, you I, had the bulbs. Now you have to get a winter car. Yes. But even before that, I'm like, I was on some Eclipse forum, seeing other cars, seeing how people <laughs> were doing up their Eclipses. I love it. And then it. found one one time that had... Do you remember those doors, how they kind of had, like, the ripples in them? It's tough to explain. It is Almost like stripes. So I had those painted oh. down the side of my car. Really? Yeah, and then threw a big old wing on it and kind of did a black and white theme on the whole car. 
Painted well, the calipers. That's a cool theme, though. I love black and white. Black that's and good. white is my theme. Yeah. And I, I'd say a lot of my fun cars have been black and white. Well, if I remember, I just remember seeing a, uh, something in uh, maybe Facebook. I think you, your Mustang was white and black. Yes, I had two white on black Mustang Cobras. Oh, okay. So, so then, two of yeah. them. They were almost identical. Stephanie likes white and black and everything, yeah, I, too. I think it looks sharp. It's it crisp. Does. And then there, you get the contrast with the black. Or you can add a little accent color like a Jeep Wrangler does with a little red on yep. the Rubicon. Yep. That looks sharp. Okay, so we'll go back to... I want to hear more about the Eclipse because the Eclipse was a car. It was like a staple car of a sports car back in the early to mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. They had the first gen, which is maybe the more highly sought-after one. Yeah, the first and the second, because those were ones that actually were in the movie. Were in the movie yep. and mm-hmm. make, could make a ton of power and were fast. So if yeah. you were truly into cars, those are what you wanted. Okay. Rather than the third gen, which is what I had, and those didn't make So you much put power. ripple effect in the door. Yep. Big ass wing on it. Yeah, a, a big old, <laughs> big old wing. Make it five horsepower faster with the wing? Unfortunately not. I threw a couple stickers <laughs> down the window, probably. That put it up 10. That, that made 10 it fast. horsepower more. <laughs> but that's kind of where it all started, was yep. having that car. And then I think I probably had it maybe a year or two. I had it for a good chunk of high school and then sold it and made a ton of money on it. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're probably in the right era. Someone's like, look at this. Yeah. And like someone else is like, well, that looks kind of sharp. Yeah. Let me buy it. All the work's done. So I sold it and made some money on it and then went and bought a Mustang. But even before that, I kind of figured out, oh, I can kind of make money buying and selling cars. Sure. Which is where we get back to the winter car. All right. So with that Eclipse, I needed a winter car. I was a high school kid, didn't have a lot of money, so I went on Craigslist, found a Mercury Mountaineer for, I think, $1,000. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Brand new tires, it was pristine, leather interior, four-wheel drive. Was it Winona? No, and no. we traveled a lot for cars when I was young. Okay. My parents, yeah, <laughs> they probably don't miss those days. Probably not. Um, we'll get into the stories, but the longest they ever, they flew to Arizona to get my, a car for my brother. Wow. So the three of them flew to Arizona. I think it was Arizona, maybe Nevada, and drove them back. Either way. Either way. <laughs> They're both along One of my Cobras came out of Kentucky. One of them was delivered from North Dakota. So, like, some of the cars came from. Well, we had from. them delivered, too. Uh, the one in, from North Dakota, yes. Okay. He delivered that one to me, which was kind of nice. I didn't have any money down on it. He brought it here. I liked it. We bought it. Wow, that's actually yeah. risky on his part. It was risky on his part. He was kind of coming this way, but yeah, um, he was coming for heydays. Snowmobile, swap meet type thing. Sure. But he brought the car with him. If I went to liked it, he was just going to have to tow this car around all weekend. <laughs> just tow his car around. And that one's kind of a funny story, too. So we'll, we'll get it. I guess we got more stories than I thought. I of. know you do. So going back to buying that winter vehicle, that Mountaineer. So I bought it, drove it for the winter, parked the Eclipse. Well, the Eclipse comes back out as soon as salt's off the road. Yeah. As soon as it possibly could. Well, I'm like, well, I don't think it's a Mountaineer, and I need cash. I better sell this thing. <laughs> sold it. I think I probably more than doubled my money on it. Sold it. 2500 bucks maybe. Well, I mean, like at that even time. just having four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive is mm-hmm. worth something here in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it was nice to have it all winter. Didn't have to drive the Eclipse because, A, that wouldn't get me anywhere. And, B, I thought it was a super nice car. Didn't want it to rust or whatever it might be. Sure. So I bought the Mountaineer, and then I just ended up doing that every winter after that. I'd buy an SUV. Almost always a Ford Explorer or a Mountaineer. They're identical. Yep, yep. So counting all Mountaineers and Explorers that I've owned is 12. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Because yeah. I did it every winter and sometimes two or three times in the winter. <laughs> so you would buy a car like the fall, winter, yes. drive it, clean it up, sell it for a profit, and then just every 
That's yeah, exactly really nice just and to have I a new car. There's kind of a market here. And if I looked far enough or looked long enough, I could find a decent deal. Sure. Something that everybody else passed up on because it was dirty. Yeah, Beat right. It. So if I vacuumed it, made it smell nice on the inside, maybe mm-hmm. patched a little bit of rust. Sure. Just made it look decent. There's it's not no that hard to it. do a little TLC and make it look no, presentable and then you can sell it for more. Yep. And Some I, people, they put it on. I'm like, didn't you take any pride or anything? Nope. Just, and that's kind of what I looked for. Yeah. So I don't know. I So that's where all of the cars I've owned have been is most of those Ford Explorers and Mercury Mountaineers. <laughs> so, yeah, so you've owned a lot, but you were just dealing in cars. That's all you yeah, were doing. You were for the most part. just a car dealer as a kid. <laughs> as a kid. And everybody asks, like, well, do you want to do this for a living? I'm like, no, I don't think no. I do. I don't think I do. Maybe if you owned your own car lot. You might and enjoy And I thought that. about that, and a couple of like the small corner lots that I bought some of these vehicles from, I asked them, like, what does it take to get into this? Yep. And at that point in time, it didn't seem feasible. Sure. Yeah. I'm thinking about doing that, actually, because we're about to move into the building next to this one for our real estate office, which okay. used to be an old car lot, Cars and Credit. I thought about maybe getting my dealer's license because of the fact for A... I could sell cars there too, mm-hmm. I, and I wouldn't sell just old junky things. You know, you know something. Are you calling my explorers junky? No, no, I'm oh, saying they're no. practical cars that people would buy. You know, I don't want to have this ghetto lot, mm-hmm. but I'm not trying to sell BMWs or Mercedes. Just you know, Equinoxes, Toyotas, whatever things that sell. Just don't look, don't diminish the property because it's still a real estate office at the right. same time. But however, you can go up and buy cars at the auction, maybe drive them for a year like you did mm-hmm. and still sell them for a profit because they only buy them at wholesale up there. And that's one thing I wish I would have done is been able to get into the auctions. Yes. Like all these dealers do. They buy them at auction, yep. they get them cheap. There might not even be an issue with them. They nope. throw them on the lot and make a ton of money. Some are repoed. Yeah. That's uh, why. Yeah. And I did it the hard way. Just scouring Craigslist for hours, <laughs> trying to find a deal, traveling. You were hours. hustling. I was at that You're point in time. Well, I had to. So were you doing this throughout high school and college? High school and college for the most part. Okay. So I'm trying to think of like when I really stopped. Um, <laughs> Have you stopped? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Starting, <you>? oh, <laughs> yeah, not addicted anymore. I'm addicted <laughs> to dealing cars. Um, I would say when I graduated college is kind of when it changed because that's another story. Oh, man. That, that's probably one oh, of the best man. stories. Oh, man, do we have enough time? Yeah, we do. We're going to have to uh, make well, some time. Wait, hold on. Do we have yeah, enough beer? We do. There's three yeah. beer. There's still four more in there. So something. we'll try to make it quick on some of these cars. But, yeah, I think it's 26 cars total, somewhere in there. Oh, 26 total? I think so. <laughs> so what was 12 in high school or um, high school, college? Because you're like, I had 12. Well, t- or that was There'd just be a explorers. couple winters where that was just explorers and mountaineers. Okay. <laughs> so 11 explorers, one mountaineer. You um, found the hot spot of I can make a profit. I on think so. Explorers and mountaineers, and I liked them. They were e- easy to drive, easy to work on. Sure. weren't terrible on gas. I didn't need it to tow anything. I just wanted something that was four wheel drive and cheap. Um, so yeah, every winter I'd do that. Maybe do it two or th- three times in that winter because I found <laughs> another deal or wanted something different. Yeah, or just saw I could make some money. I'd, as soon as I got a title for a vehicle, I'd throw it on Craigslist for a crazy price or what I thought was crazy. Someone and buys then I get kid. a hit on I'm like, well, if they're going to buy this one, i got to go find another deal because I have a car to drive. Dude, you're just hustling. You so know, there yeah. was one time I had, I think it was three cars sitting at the same time. <laughs> just because I was in between. So then after a while, I got into Jeep Wranglers. Okay. So I think I went to look at a Hummer. Didn't like it. And actually, no, that trip was, I went to look at a Hummer down in Chicago. Didn't like it. When I was down there, my brother's like, don't buy a Hummer. Sent me a Mustang Mach 1. 
went and looked at it like 11 o'clock at night. Loved the car. And that was probably one of my favorite purchases. Really? Yeah. That was it. Ex- what year, first off? So all of my Mustangs, I've owned four of them there, were all 2003s. Oh, okay. All of them. Was it expensive or not really? Not really. For Was it higher mileage or was it decent uh, mileage? Let's see here. I would say I had about 70,000 miles on it. Oh, okay. It was an 03 Mustang Mach 1, which is kind of a rare car. They only made them for two years. Okay. Um, but it had a ton of work done to it. So it looked pretty sweet. It was probably the loudest car you'd ever hear. Really? That thing was loud. Well, a street car. I shouldn't say the loudest car ever. So like uh, someone was trying to street race it? Is that what you're saying? Or so? When you, what do you mean by a street car, I guess? Yeah, like, yeah, just a car that someone would daily drive on the street. Oh, okay. Not, gotcha. not a drag car, nothing like a... A funny car, top feel car. No, yeah, okay. But like See, a street I, car. One time, the only reason I say ask that question is I went to go look at a Camaro when I had sold my, I sold something, and I was looking either at this Mustang mm-hmm. or Camaro ZL1. It was a 2013, and I drove all the way down to somewhere in Illinois. It's like six hours away. Mm-hmm. I get down there. And I turn it on, it rumbles. Beautiful. Sounds like just the meanest car you'd ever heard. And all of a sudden, you go behind it, it smells like racing fuel. Mm-hmm. My uncle's with me, who's a drag racer. He goes, that's racing fuel in there. I'm like, oh. He goes, this engine's most likely tuned. And I'm like, oh. So someone probably was into like street dragging like or something. alcohol. E85, like well, 110 octane. The 110 octane okay. is what he said. Okay. He goes, this smells like 110 octane, which is what he uses in his drag cars okay. back in the day. And I'm like, uh, oh, I know what I got rid of. I got rid of that BMW. Nightmare. That Don't God. buy a BMW. Don't buy a BMW, kids, unless you know what you're buying. As unless you say, want a hard not Kind of looking at BMWs okay. as of late. If you know how to work on them, I guess you're good, but I the labor will cost my bro- you. My brother knows everything about them, though, so I'm just going to lie him. Well, anyways, went down there, smelled them. I'm like, I'm not replacing one headache with another headache because my uncle's like, you're probably going to have to get this tuned every so often. Mm-hmm. I go, I don't want to do that. I want something stock. So that's stock back there. I think you the made Mustang. the right choice. I think so, too, especially when it's signed by Carroll Shelby. It's kind of Signed neat. by Carroll Shelby. It's a supercharged Mustang. Yeah. Can't go wrong with it. No, you can't. So anyways, go back to your – you had, you bought a Mach 1 in Chicago after so, looking at a Hummer. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's I, totally I don't know different. why. Um, looked at the Hummer. It had – Terrible paint on the one side. Yeah. It was kind of a fun trip down. Went was down it the there with H2 three buddies. Or H3? It was an H3. Okay. Justin had one of those. Yeah. And, and I liked it, but I would have hated the thing. I probably would have owned it for three months. It has five cylinders. It. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. They do. They're yeah. Five they are cylinders. five cylinders. Share the engine with the Canyon. The GMC Canyon. Oh, that has that too? Or is it the GMC or the Chevy Canyon? Uh, yeah. GMC has the Canyon. Chevy has the Colorado. Yeah. They have I five cylinders so. in those. Yep, I, I so. thought those were sixes, but. Okay, you know I, mean, I, could, I, I could be lying. Well, I, I, I might just be making up rumors here. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Rumors. <laughs> We're going to find out. Everyone's going to think all these trucks are five cylinders. <laughs> right. No, I remember the, the Hummer had a five cylinder. I'm like, I've never even heard of that. What happened? It, to that's one? just weird because, yeah, you would think it would just be weird to balance yeah. that because engines are all about balance. Yeah. Well, so, it must have been a straight line then, is my guess. Probably. Yeah, probably like an inline six. Sure. So, okay, you got this Mustang then. You bought it, obviously. Yeah, I bought Was it. Was it a. Did you have your winter beater still, or were you in between beaters? I this think time? this was in the summer. I'm okay. trying to think what I had. I might have just sold the car. So that's my second Mustang. So maybe I just sold my first Mustang okay. at that point in time, which the first Mustang I bought changed a little bit on it. I think I changed wheels, maybe the exhaust on it. 
probably tinted the taillights and the headlights. Obviously, you got to do that. Yeah. But it was a pretty sweet looking. It was yep. just a GT, so a 4.62 valve. Okay, so you're just going, and then you're going up to the next Mach 1. Then. Yep. So okay. basically, I just kind of worked my way up the Mustang. What, um, what does the Mach 1 have in it that the GT doesn't then? So it's still got the 4.6, okay. but it's a four-valve engine. Okay. So I, uh, the 4.6, I think, made about, like, 260 horsepower. Okay. The so weird how that that's all made. Right, it was a V8. A V8. It sounded. You look at it, you'd be like, "Wow, that car's really fast." It really. <laughs> and at the time, I thought it was really fast. Yeah, well, thought it was fastest thing I probably ever, ever driven. So I had that. Then I went to the Mach One, which is yes, still a four six, but it's a four valve engine. Okay. That thing was a fun car. It was really rigid. It had a Viper. So it had a six speed Viper T spec um, transmission in it. Coilovers, the exhaust. Bare brakes, six piston brakes. So everything you're saying right now, I have no idea, and I'm the one with the podcast. That's why I'm asking questions. Well, it, it felt like a track car. If oh the, really? The, the, the answer, yeah, it felt like a track car. So if that car had a ton of power, that would have been a fun car to have. But okay. it looked sweet. It was a dark gray, really dark windows. Yep. It was loud. It was fun. It's got to be loud. Oh yeah. So how many loud. Mustangs have you had in total then? Four, four total. Okay, so the what was your favorite one? That one? I, I always say that one just because it was so rigid. It felt like a track car, a go-kart. It hugged the ground. Okay. But it didn't have – it wasn't in perfect condition. It had 100,000 miles on it. So mm-hmm. had some rock chips here, sure. a little bolster rub on the seat here. But also I didn't pay a ton of money for it. I yeah. was young. But it would be probably that one or my next Mustang, which would have been the car I was always wanting, which was an 03 Cobra, the okay. Terminator. Ooh, what uh, 03 you said? Yep, so they made the Terminator from 03 to 04. And that was it was that one supercharged? Yep. Cool. How many I mean horse did that one make? Uh that one was 551 to the tire. Ooh. Yeah. Was that one souped up at all or was that stock? Stock? No, stock. I want to say they make about 395 on a dyno. Oh, so someone I'm trying to remember what they advertise. I should know this cuz I was a fanatic okay if you don't. for a while. I just know this one says 500, but I don't know if it yeah, does. Yeah. So it made 551 <laughs> to the tire, which was plenty of power at that point in time sure um yeah it was pretty souped up it was it was lowered um they pulled the blower off it and ported it so it could flow more air change yep. some of the pulleys the exhaust the intake okay um so i want to say it was like yeah 551 horsepower Damn. and 581 torque to the tire well, that's pretty good it, it, it was torque fun. when that torque matches or is more that, yeah. that really makes you go because that super is like that it's got more torque than it does have uh horsepower and that baby when you put it into drive the ass end kind of goes down like that because it's ready to mm-hmm. launch off. And that was the nice thing about my Cobra was it was low. So that thing just took off. It would yeah. just scoot instantly. And it was a blower, so it was instant torque. You didn't have to wait for a turbo to spool. Yeah. So that power was there. As long as you were in the power band, which you almost always are driving though. But yeah. that car was it was pretty. It was so white on black, pristine. Black on black? White on black. White on black. Oh, no, yep. white on black. Maybe that's the one I saw in your Facebook. I don't know. You've had... Two I've had two of those almost okay. identical. Sure. So I think I'm trying to remember why. I think I was in college, sold that one because I could get a really good price for it. Sure. Sold them like, oh, I'll be able to replace this. As Never. soon as I sold it, I regretted it. Okay. I, I tried to get it back from the guy that I sold it to like a couple months later. He's like, no, actually, I blew it up. So he blew the engine a month after I sold it to him. <laughs> Because he was being stupid, or because it just blew. I don't know. It only it didn't have a ton of miles on it. Okay. Those engines can hold a lot of power, so like I think he was probably being stupid with it. Who knows? Or it could have just been 
Time for it. So you got rid of your Mustangs because you probably could get a good price, so that's mm-hmm. why? Yep, and at that point in time, I got not sick of vehicles. They were easy, just was looking for the next one. Yeah. You're addicted. Yeah. You were addicted, addicted to cars. Addicted to the chase. <laughs> it's about it, though. It, you're right, though, because... I would do the same thing with anything. I, you know, even my truck. You know, my truck. I like my truck, the Shelby. It's cool. But if someone mm-hmm. gave me the right price, I'm selling it. Oh, it's yeah. fine, and I'll find another one. So I would be okay. You know, I'm in the same boat with you. I like that kind of stuff too. If I can do it, I'll just replace it with something else. But however, you have not had another Mustang since. Or I since. did have one more after that. But what year was this? So what year did I sell the car? What year? Did, what was your last Mustang then? Because you haven't had, as far as I've known, you've never had anything. But I've only known I, you maybe for the last five years. I was in college good. when I sold my last Mustang, which okay. was almost identical to that first Cobra I had. It was okay. another white Cobra, black wheels. If you didn't know I sold the first one, you wouldn't know it was a different car. So you did find something kind of to replace that one. Yeah. Okay. Found something to replace it. Similar miles. But after a while, I started finding all the imperfections in it. Sure. Didn't make nearly as much power. Um, still looked pretty decent. Cool, but, like, yeah. it had some spidering in the, um, I don't know, almost called them running boards. The body panel below the door. Can't Fender even skirts? think about it. No. Yeah, maybe side skirts. There we go. Side skirts, There we yeah. go. And rock chips in the hood. Sure. Yeah. So it just wasn't perfect like the first one was. Shouldn't have got rid of the first yeah. one. Yeah. That was the one that was delivered from North Dakota. Which one? That the, the, last, the last one. one. Yeah, okay. the first one we I got out of Kentucky. Met the guy halfway in <laughs> Illinois. I think it was at an airport. He flew home. <laughs> oh really? Yep. He flew home. Yep. That's funny. Yeah, I met him at the airport and then he flew home. Or maybe he rented a car and drove home. I don't remember what it was. Something. He must have been getting a good price if he was willing to do all that. Uh, I like to think I got a good deal on it. I know that. because like, why, well, why would he go that far? Maybe just because like he this knew was like, man, it's easy to sell it. But those cars are, like, tough to come by. They're a a group of, and now they're worth even a lot more. So I wish I would have. Because they're only made two years, is that they're right? They're only made two years, okay. and they're called the Terminator. Do you know why? Nope. When did the Camaro stop production? Well, probably around second. that year, because then they probably said, oh, we terminated that. We can't compete with the, the Cobra, so it terminated the Camaro. See, look at fun facts you learned fun on the cast. Facts, fun I facts. didn't know that. I'm sure the viewers didn't know and that. And Terminator was not a name that like Ford gave it or anything. I think it was just Cult the thing. Mustang. Cult. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Yeah, that's right, because the Trans Am slash Camaro stopped in like 02. 02. Yeah, because so I had a, I had a 99. Yep. And... That's right. Now, now they're back, obviously, again. But Mustangs never quit. No, Mustangs. Mustangs. They, maybe they had one year where the, when they're no, I don't know. They've if had they did. some bad years, but yeah, because they went. Did they? Did they have one in 04? Because I'm yep. pretty sure 05 is when they switched to the newer that, to this similar body to style. that similar body style. Yeah. So they've never stopped since like '65. 64 and a half. 64 and a half. Yes. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, that that well, the pony car. Mm-hmm. That has been, they've been going since 64 ish. So yeah. that's consistently. Now they so have had some bad years, like you said, like in the 80s. In, in the 80s. <laughs> but what car wasn't terrible in the 80s? There, Dude, there are some decent those, cars in the 80s. You know, a car I like that really doesn't hold any sort of value, I think it still looks cool, is the Camaros of the 80s and the Trans Ams of the 80s. Yeah. I always thought they looked really neat, but they didn't make anything for horsepower. I think they looked, yeah, they just had a giant engine, guzzled gas, <laughs> didn't make any horsepower. <laughs> I know, it was like 180, yeah. But they looked pretty cool. Oh, they sure did. I um, thought they looked cool, but they never hold any place value I'm of anything. I'm trying to think of what car it was in the 80s. My brother would probably wring my neck if I couldn't remember this. 
it wasn't the Monte Carlo, but it was a car that looked just like it. It was so, a twin turbo. It was a V6. So it's, well, I'm just going to have to guess here, and I doubt it's it. But I think Dodge Charger made an ugly car, but it was a Shelby edition of Dodge Charger, and it was In the just. 80s? Yeah, it's ugly. Okay, Someone had one on a cruise night one time back, I don't know how many years ago. I don't know, no, but it was almost identical to the Monte Carlo of the 80s. Well, 84. okay, so then there would be Oldsmobile. Yes, there we go. That was that yep, was, it was an old okay. That was the Oldsmobile Cutlass then. Yep. Yeah, that was. I, the, yeah, I think it was a Cutlass. Sure. This isn't funny. How many car brands are used to be? Used, used to be, be and so like, many. And how many there are now? Yeah. Like how many aren't around? Like even like simple ones like when we were growing up, Pontiac. Well, see now you go under that. That's all GM products. Yep. And now you only have like GMC, Cadillac, and um, uh, Chevy, but they also own Saturn. If I remember right, they yep. had Oldsmobile. I think they have Buick too still. And then yeah, Buicks still around, aren't they? Yep, Buicks are still around. And what was the other one we said? We were talking Pontiac. Old, Pontiac. Those are all like GM. They had like six or seven different divisions or more. And a lot of them were very similar. Yes. Like but they made always the same car. Of, yes. Oh, it's like here's the cheap one, but if you want, here's the Cadillac for you. Mm-hmm. It's just like um, Dodge. I remember Plymouth. <laughs> Plymouth used to be around too, but that was the lower brand. Even they had two Plymouth. They had two neons. They had the Plymouth neon, which is this one Ooh, down here. Bare bones. And the Dodge crank windows. The Neon, which had the SRT4, right. the start of the old turbos that people loved. I remember if you had a Neon SRT4, boy, that was pretty cool. I remember those. I remember who was it when I well, I was probably like 16, 17, had a really fast Neon here in town. I absolutely loved the car. What but color it was, was it? Neon. Do you remember? It was black. I want to say his name might have been Nathan Hander. Oh well, there was another guy that had a blue one in been. town. His name was Lucas Kostuk. I don't think I recognize that one. He used to work at the Green Mill with me as a cook, and he was. I think I want to say he was like a senior when I was probably a freshman or sophomore in high school. He had an SRT4. Oh boy, that was a cat's meow. Yeah, some of those cars are sweet. But turbo. That's, that's kind of another cool thing about the cars is there's a lot of people you might never meet. You might not know a thing about them, but you know who they are because of the car they drive. Yes, yeah. That's just the car scene. And there's it a is. lot of people that I know like that. And I don't might. know who you are, but I know your car. Yeah. They, they'll introduce yep. themselves saying, "Hi, I'm I'm Chris." Oh, oh nice the to guy meet you, with the Mustang. But I drive this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guy that's with the exactly Mustangs. That's exactly it. That's exactly how it goes, too, because there's, I go to all these car shows, too, and I'm like, I know your car, but I don't really know who you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. But as soon as you say your car, I'm like, I absolutely love it, and you start talking about that car or something about the car. Yep. It's kind of cool. It's a community. Have you had any more sports cars since your Mustangs? Unfortunately not. So I sold that last one. I sold it in college. I think I was trying to make an adult decision at the time, which okay. I regret now. Yeah. Why was I trying to be an adult at 20? To pay off school, pay my way through school. And okay. Just try okay. to get ahead. Gotcha. I thought, gotcha. like, hey, I'm going to be rounding out school here. Might as well get rid of this car. I don't need it. Quickly regretted that again. Yeah. What did you have then as your secondary then? What was I driving? Did you I have driving, two cars again, like normal? I almost have always had two cars okay. until maybe three or four years ago. What's going on, Chris? I'm getting old. Getting Just on one car, old and cranky. Oh man! Now, now I have the boat. Maybe, maybe that's the answer. No. Well, it's a sporty boat, but it can only be used so often. I think the answer is I haven't figured out what I really want. I keep changing my mind, so there's nothing I really well, want to spend. If, if you're addicted to selling cars, yeah. you're going to be in the same boat. But you know, if you can find another good deal, I mean, you get back on that scene. I keep my eyes, and I almost bought another fun car three or four months ago. 
What were you thinking? 65 Cobra. An AC <sighs> Cobra backdraft. Oh, what happened? <laughs> I just couldn't pull the trigger on it. Couldn't pull it. It All wasn't right. exactly what I want because I want one that's kind of a Restoma that's got a... Okay. I really wanted to have that four-valve engine that I had in the okay. Cobras. I want that in a backdraft Cobra. And what year Didn't was have it? That, but this was a 65. Okay. So I would love to have one of those. I think they're sweet. They're little go-karts. Do you have, a, like, a budget you're thinking of then? Like, when you're looking, are you under, like, nah, this budget, or is it just whatever the hell shows up? It's going to depend on what that car has to offer. Because okay. I want it to have a rest. I want it to be a resto mod. So I want it to be on decent suspension. I want it to be the color I want. I want it to be a manual. I want it to have this engine. I want it to have a redone interior. Okay. So I know each one of those things that it checks the boxes. Sure. It goes up another price point. Okay. Another price point. So either that or I could buy one cheapest one you're going to find is probably still 35 grand and it might have nothing that i want sure and then i'll slowly yeah. have to make it into what i want uh that see that's kind of stinks and you know and then you drop more money into a possible depreciating asset you oh, don't even know it probably would be because not everybody's gonna like it the way i'm gonna right build it. there might be i would like to think so that's what car dealers say when you go to trade it in they're like you have too many customizations this person's probably not gonna like what you liked it's mm -hmm. like okay whatever that's why you're almost better selling a private party that's right yeah, yeah. or take it to the auctions nowadays yeah. people take that stuff the auctions um so then when you're going you're looking at possibly possibly getting possibly. another car is there any of them that like this is what i would like or is there like a top three if i could find this at the right price this is what i want or this or this See, I haven't given it a lot of thought because I've been all over the board. Sure. Well, and we're in winter month now, right. so you're not, like, thinking about it at the moment. You're like, eh, well, I'm not going to drive it, so. You asked me one day, it might be a 55 Ford F100. You <laughs> asked me the next day, it might be a 65 Cobra. Sure. I'm kind of all over the board, too. Like, I would like a 67 Chevelle Blue. That would be sweet with the 454 in it. Yes. That Those was the first expensive. car. That was actually the first Hot Wheel that got me into cars. Really? It was a Chevelle. An SS Chevelle. It was I, a I Hot Wheel? It was a Hot Wheel. So that's how you got into cars? That, I think that's probably Love where it. it goes way back to. Is, well, and I still I had thousands of Hot Wheels. Oh, so did I. Still my mom still have, has all mine. I got rid of a lot of my unboxed ones years ago. My mom kept all of the ones that I kept in boxes. Also. Oh, you kept some in boxes. I, I don't have any I don't know boxes. how I did it as a kid. I don't know if my mom told me, like, you got to keep them in the box. Wow. I don't know how I did so it. So instead of worth a dollar, they're worth $2 now. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> With inflation, they're now worth 2 bucks. Because those things are still about the same price as they were when we were a kid. Worth like it. A you dollar. can go to a store and get them for a buck now. Or pretty close to They were to 99 it. cents back. Yep. 89. I think matchboxes were 89 cents and Hot Wheels are 99 cents. I don't know if they're much more than yep. a buck and a half still. Really? Or two bucks. I'm going to have to check next maybe time. Maybe $3. But even so, we're going to get toy for $3 nowadays. I don't know. Not I'm, much. I don't know about you, but I'm not looking at too many toys. No, nah, neither am I. But I'm just saying, <laughs> as a child, man, you right. can't hardly buy anything. You look at an action figure, they're like $15 nowadays. When we were little, they're like 5 mm -hmm. But you can still get those Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars for pretty cheap, actually. Maybe I'm going to have to go look and see what I can find. Just go buy some Hot Wheels. <laughs> look at over there. My dad's got his little die cast section over there. I'm going to have to take a look. So and I had a handful of die casts. I'm trying to remember where I'd pick those up. Well, you know where it had really cool diecast places was, I think it was Dyersville, Iowa. Really? They were like the home of like diecast cars and stuff. My parents went, we went there like a couple times. We went to the Field of Dreams, obviously. Yep. And then we would go and there was like a lot of diecast things. It wasn't just cars. It was tractor stuff and all that. But it was like the home or the world of diecast stuff. And it was really neat. That would have been cool to go when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I guess even now I'd still probably like I'm to still go. Down there. <laughs> I can still make a Buy trip some down toys. There. Where is it? Anywhere near Decorah? Make a stop at Toppling Goliath? Mm, you know, that's a good question. I'm I don't, trying to think where I think it's, it's south of De Decorah. 
without looking at my phone, which yeah. is recording us. No. Um, I can't look. But you have your phone. You can look if you ever well, let's, want. Let's go try to figure it out. All right, figure out what Dyersville is. But you could go down, check out the Field of Dreams, hit a, hit a ball into the cornfield, check out a couple ghosts, then check out some die-cast cars. Some of those are my die-cast cars in there. I think there's a Nissan Skyline in there. So my dad That's had this. That's pretty cool. The, the Skyline was a Yes, sweet car. dude, those are so cool. And my dad <laughs> told me one time, because I was big into baseball, he goes, if you ever pitch a no-hitter, I'll buy a Nissan Skyline. No. Never pitch a no-hitter. I had a one-hitter. <laughs> Could have done it. He goes, yeah, I bought you a Skyline. I'm like, no way. Comes up as a die-cast car. <laughs> Rich knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. I'm like, you you got a skyline for me? Looks like it's straight south of Prairie du Chien. A little west of Dubuque. That's about three hours. Yeah, I'd probably give it about three hours, give or take. Well, Dubuque is where Justin lives. So it takes that. So it doesn't look like it's far, but it's how you get there is kind of a pain in the butt. 61 straight south. 61 straight south, I know. Yeah, I think that goes right to Dubuque, doesn't it? I believe so. It rides the river a little bit, too, yep. even. Because I had to go down there for his wedding, so right. I know where that's at. So, okay, you need to get yourself a sports car or something, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if you had, like I said, you don't know what you would want. But do you go to car shows? Yeah. Okay. I used to go to them a lot more than I do now. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's because, like, the group of guys I used to do with. And it used to be me and my brother quite a bit. Okay. And then usually there was a decent group of us that would all go together. Right, right. Riley's right. down in Florida now, so it's tough to go to car shows together. Sure. But I was just down there a couple of weeks ago. and he You were in Florida? To, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he's down in Naples, so there's some pretty decent cars down there. You have to there. drive those all year long down there. Yes, you drive them all year round, and Naples, there's a little bit of money. So yeah. there's, there's some pretty sweet cars. We went to a Cars of Coffee, and uh, I'm trying to remember what car was there. Um, there's a Speed Tail there. What's a speed tail? Um, I'll have to show you a picture of it. Show um, me. But I want to say, I got to remember the number. I think there's less than 100 of them in the world. Maybe 111. Oh, well, that's probably I, why I don't know them. Yeah. <laughs> is there a certain company that makes it, or is it called speed tail? Uh, yes, sir. It's a McLaren. So okay, McLaren. I'll show you a picture of it here. So Ooh. the Cars and Coffee, they had a lot of different cars like this. They had Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Porsche. So um, if you can see this, it's uh, <laughs> zoom in. I don't know if you can see it, but if you do, zoom in, whatever. That's a fancy-looking car, and I can see why it's called the fishtail because it kind of looks like a fish, actually. Speedtail. Or sorry, speedtail. Real, real close, though, but yeah, it's got fishtail, that really whatever. long slanted back. Yeah. Is the engine obviously mid-rear? Uh, yes. Looks like yep, it would be yep, just look, by these photos. I believe photos. it's a mid-engine. I don't know much about the car, honestly, and I want to say it's electric as well. Oh, really? So I think, I think it's kind of like the Porsche 918. Damn, look at that. That looks like a... That was like a jet. Mm-hmm. It, it, and it's a three-seater. So you, can you oh, see in that cockpit? Seat. In the cockpit, there's one seat in the front and the middle, and there's two seats behind it. So the driver actually sits right in the middle. No way. Yeah. I got to check that out. That's, that so sounds it, it, awesome. It's a really cool car. But, yeah, they had a bunch of McLarens. Um, oh, the, have you ever seen this guy here, Doug DeMuro? He does like all these things about cars. I don't know if I know his name. I probably do know who he is, but he, don't how he always my name. Like, this is the film. Yes, I know exactly yes. who you're talking and about. I didn't know his name though. A Doug score at the end. I, <laughs> lo- <laughs> I 
I love listening to him. But he goes into details. He's got this fishtail. It's like a 38-minute video. Does he video. have a fishtail or a speedtail? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's it. It's a speedtail, folks. Not a fishtail. But yes, he has that. You can watch a 38-minute video on that guy someday, and he'll uh, he'll show you what they're all about. So if you ever need something, shout to Doug DeMurrow, even though he knows nothing about me, and I know a little Not bit yet. about him. Not yet. Not yet. He's going to be on the cast someday, maybe. He'll have crack a beer with him. But yeah, he, he probably does. Will. He does a lot of videos, and he goes into detail with them. It ain't like he goes through all the quirks that there might be, any of the Easter eggs that they call them. Yeah. What Easter eggs are just little things like on Jeeps. You know that. There's a ton of Easter eggs on Jeeps. I know there is. <laughs> and so he does all that, and then he drives it, and then he gives it a Doug score. And then he's like, mm -hmm. if it was comfortable, is it a daily thing? Is it a whatever lifestyle? He goes over all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of interesting to listen to that, which is nice, because if you're ever – because whenever I start buying a car, I get into something – I go in and I watch video, and my mm -hmm. wife will tell you, you're the guy that does the most research on something when you're about to buy a big purchase. You do the most research that I know of. of Not someone. a bad thing to be known for. I might rival you because yeah. I do a ton of research. Yeah. And it, maybe it's not even research. It's trying to make the decision. Is that, this the right one? That is it. Too. Is it the right one? But as soon as you find the right one, you got to buy it. It hypes me up. Just got to go for bit. it. hypes me up. Gets you excited for it. Makes you, Make sure you're making the right decision. That's right. So your last sports car was a Mustang, right? Yep. And that was the last. Last. One. That was a really fun car. Then. Yeah. And they started making adult decisions. And then I, yeah. Stop. I, I got old and boring. I don't know why. For a long time, there still maybe am. Well, so then you, okay, so you bought a cheap Gladiator, which... Sometimes it's like a hate love love hate relationship with those. I think with, I hear people, I love them. I think they look cool. I like that they're versatile to the fact where you can take it off and it's a convertible mm -hmm. in a sense, and it's also a truck. So it's like everything I love. I love convertibles, and I like having a, something that I can throw stuff in the back like a truck. Right. What did you like about it, and also what did you not like about it that you got rid of it? For what you so have there now. was probably three big reasons I bought it. Um, All right, number one. Number one, I wanted to buy a Wrangler as a toy. I wanted sure to buy nice. a second vehicle. So I was looking for Wranglers. I like the 2006 Wrangler. Okay. The TJ Wrangler. Really? Yeah, I really like those. They're the... Stephanie likes those too. They're a Jeep to me. Cause I, and yeah. it's probably because I owned four of those. <laughs> well, so of course you did. Why I, I would went you through not four have? of those. I had a 97, a 2000, an 03, and an 05, I think it was. Um, you know what? I had no seven. Forgot about that one. So what? How many now was that? No, I was an 09. Sorry. Okay. Um, I don't know. That was Jeez. five Wranglers. Did you make money on all of them? I've made money on every single vehicle I've owned other than two. Okay. So we'll Good get in you. one of them. I lost my ass. Oh, really? Uh, that's a story. I don't know if you know that story. No, but I can tell you when I lost my ass on is that damn BMW. Did you lose 19 grand on it? <laughs> nope. Eight. You're ahead on me then. <laughs> That's 19? Story. What the heck was that? Um, it was stolen. Oh, and you never got any money back? So let's dive into that one. Let's, we'll, we'll go into that one, then we'll then go we'll back come to back Gladiator. To the, yeah, we'll come back Gladiator. So, Sorry, guys. So that's when I started making my adult decisions. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to buy a nice vehicle. So I had my 05 Grand Cherokee, which was my daily through college with the Mustangs. Okay. Had that. I'm like, you know what? I'm graduating college. I think I accepted my new position that I was going to have after college. And what was that? That was the mortgage lender position. All right. Yes. Yes, if you don't know, this guy's a mortgage lender at one of the finest banks here in Winona, Merchants Bank. He's also been actually a client of mine of buying a house, mm -hmm. and I've sent lots of people to you, including my cousin, I believe. Absolutely. I don't know what ever happened with that, but that we can't get into that detail. Anyways, fantastic mortgage lender. The best part is I have a cell phone, so I just call you whenever I'm like, or text you. I'm like, hey, 
any questions, let me know. But here, I referred this person. I mm -hmm. love that. And that's where whenever I have to give off referrals, I'm like, I like to deal with these people because I have their personal number and they will respond to me too. As I will respond to them if they need anything. And I love that connection. Whereas if you go through like a big lender, you're just like... Yeah, they might email me back when the weekend's over. Mm -hmm. I can call you and be like, hey, that's what's going on. I'm just letting you know if this is what's happening. Or do you know what's going on? Well, first of that. all, I but, appreciate it, of course. But yeah, that's one of the big things. And I think that's why how you could be successful in our business <laughs> is sure. being available. Picking yes. up the phone, being available to pick up the phone, always. It's worth taking that 15 minutes on a night or a weekend to answer yep. whoever's questions, whether it's you or the customer or the client. It's yeah. worthwhile. It doesn't take time. It's fun to do because obviously they're, they don't do this all day like we do. No. So answering those questions, not making them worry about it all weekend, whatever the question might be. Yep. It's worthwhile. Well, and that's the thing. When, sorry, we're going off topic, but that's okay. We'll, we'll get back to was, it. We're, we're circling back. But anyways, yeah, you're right about that because what we do and what you do as a real estate agent, mortgage lender, we are helping people with their most likely their biggest purchase of their life. Car is not that big compared to real estate or whatever they mm -hmm. might be buying real estate wise. Anyway, so yeah, you're right. Making people feel comfortable about spending hundreds of thousands of dollars right. doesn't hurt. But anyways, if anybody ever needs a mortgage lender, this is your guy to go to at Merchants Bank here in Winona. Just letting you know. Might as well plug you while you're here, man. <laughs> I appreciate All it. 30 Absolutely. people are going to see this. <laughs> so if there's one out of 30, you're good. I appreciate it, of but, course. But yeah, easy. But anyways, let's go back to your uh, losing your ass. Losing my ass. It's, it's, yeah. it's fun to talk about. Well, a stolen car. What the hell? Yeah. What so, happened here now? Like I was saying, I accepted that position. I'm like, oh, I got to drive something a little more professional. Fancy. Okay. So I went and found myself a 2013 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland. All the bells and whistles. Yep, okay. I think it was probably at that point in time two or three years old. Rolling them out. Nice. You need another? I, I'm, shortly, another? shortly. I'm shortly. going to have another. Well, Terrapin, you're really good. Very good. <laughs> above average. You're above average. Highly above average. Highly. Um, okay, so Jeep Cherokee Overland. Yep. Now, what, is it the top of the line? or that At that point in time, that was the top of the line, okay. Grand Cherokee. Honestly, I guess a Jeep at that point in time. Yep. They didn't have the Grand Wagoneer. So it was the biggest. Did they have the Summit? Isn't the Summit like the top trim level? I don't think they had the Summit at that point in time. Okay. So this is the top of the top. This, this had the saddle, saddle leather, Ooh. heated cooled seats, heated steering wheel, um, air ride suspension. You threw that sucker in park. It went all the way to the ground, so it was easy to get in and out. I don't... We're, when was this? When did I have this thing? Yeah. You might have seen this one. Did I? Um, yeah, because we were probably playing softball together. I it was black. Maybe I have seen it then. But then again, it's a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Looks like every other one on the road. That's true. You probably were not thinking anything of it. No, most likely not. No. When you had the Gladiator, I did think yeah, of it because I thought those were kind of neat, yeah. even though some people hate them. But anyways, okay. So you have the top of the line. Yeah. You lost $19,000 somehow. So let's get into that. So I was... I'm trying to remember all the details because I don't want to miss anything on this story. <laughs> um, I was going to get the cashier's check for the guy. He said that was fine. For some reason, I decided not to. So I went and got cash. Bringing cash to the transaction. We were going to meet at a police station, which I, I have done maybe for 20, 30% of my 
private sales. All right. Just because if you're at a police station, there's cameras, there's police coming and going. Nothing's going to go wrong there. Nothing fishy. So we're planning to meet at the police station half hour before we leave to go meet the guy. I'm just like, nah, we don't have to meet there. Let's meet at Target. I said that. He didn't. So we met at Target in Alaska. Meet there, test drive the vehicle, do everything I always do. Check the VIN, check the title, check both VIN plates. Everything matches. What's the other VIN plate? So there's one on the windshield. Yep. And then there's one on the door. Not a VIN plate. I guess it's usually a sticker. Oh, to make sure they match? Yep, make sure okay. the VIN numbers oh, match. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I thought it was like a motorcycle because motorcycle has a VIN and then it has an engine VIN. No. Okay, no. cool. Okay. Go on. Um, do the test drive, kind of talk to the guy, get a copy of his ID, always do it. Don't know why. That's, I, I well, just, the dealers do it. Yeah, I guess so yeah, dealers do it. It's probably more for insurance purposes for their part, but for you, it's your liability. Right. And yeah. I think I did it. I always did it just to make sure, well, you got a title that says John Smith. I want to make sure you're John Smith. Yeah, that's right. So. Dude, you go deep. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you go deep on no, I'll go deeper. Oh, my gosh. Um, usually run a Carfax. Usually do the online yeah. VIN searches just to make sure there's nothing sure. fishy going on. So give the guy the cash. We settle on a price. I buy it. He goes into the store. We leave. I got my vehicle. I'm happy with it. Well, you know me. I get bored with vehicles. Sold yep. it a year later. Sure. Sold it to some guy down in Dubuque, Quad Cities area. Down right. in Iowa. Fire yep. chief down there. He buys it. He has it a couple months and gives me a call some random day when I'm living in the cities. He's like, hey, we got an issue. I'm like, okay, what's going on? He goes, well, I went to the dealership to get a key cut because the keys, the fobs, you know how they have a key inside of them to open yep. glove box, trunk maybe, doors. Sure. So they were blanks. He went to get one cut to open the glove box. They cut it to the VIN. Didn't open the glove box. They're like, okay, well, that's that's okay. Like sometimes like with these Jeeps, the ECU has to be um, switched out because they fry or they had issues with them. Okay. ECU is the computer to the Jeep. So we're like, all right, well, let's grab the VIN off the ECU and cut it to that. So they did that and realized that opened the glove box. So they got a key that opens the glove box, but then they start diving into it and realizing that ECU doesn't, or that VIN number doesn't match what's on the vehicle. So then there's some questions. They look up that VIN number and find out that Jeep was stolen out of an airport in Milwaukee two years earlier. Or a year oh, earlier, shoot. something like that. Must have been two years, because I owned it for a while. Yeah. Um, so they dive into it. He's like, we got to figure this out. Because he's like, I'm a fire chief. I can't own a stolen vehicle. <laughs> of course not. Because it was never recovered by the insurance company. Okay. So then I'm like, well, yeah, I'll help you f- find whatever we need to do. Well, a week later, I get a letter in the mail saying I'm being sued for 19, whatever I sold it to him for. Oh, he... He had to sue me, and then it's on me to go find who I bought it from, which I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't steal this. I didn't right. do anything wrong. I just sold you a vehicle. I had a title. I titled that vehicle in my name. He titled in his name in Iowa or wherever it was. I don't yeah. remember exactly where he lived. Um, everything was fine until that happened. I'm like, so if I would have just kept that car, I would have been fine forever. Sure. I didn't sure. We well, didn't title. know anything. No, I had no idea. And then... Uh, I'm trying to remember. So then I start diving in, trying to find the guy I bought it from. I email him. I text him. 
no response. <laughs> of course not. So then I have to hire a private investigator out of Alaska because that's where I bought it from. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I got them. It was This was quick, though. He, he starts talking to people at the police station. One of the cops is like, well, you got a picture of the ID, so send me that. Yep. Sent him that. He sent that out to, like, all of the uh, police stations in the state of Wisconsin. Five minutes later, someone came back and said, yes, I know that who that is, but unfortunately, he's dead. He's dead? He's dead. <laughs> a week after. So then we figure out his real name. It was totally different than what was on the ID, on the title. We figure out who that real name is, and then Google that and find out he was a locksmith out of Milwaukee who used his craft as a, uh, as a locksmith oh my to gosh. steal vehicles out of airports because he knew people were going <laughs> to be gone. So there was a whole article on it. So if you want to read on it, I can figure out his name and give it to you. Oh, my gosh. So really? He, he did it to probably five or ten other people. How did he change all the VINs and stuff, though? Like, so... Because you got that VIN that's in, like, in the dash. So I don't know if he would, like, take out the windshield or what it is. Because it's a true VIN plate. It's not a sticker like it is Right. No, you're right. So either he did or had someone that could duplicate those. Sure. And then get a valid, clean title with no lien on it. So the title, he must have just drove around town and found another matching 2013 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland, same color. Yeah. Walk up to it, probably get the VIN number out of it, and duplicate the title. Damn. Yeah. So he, he was a was professional. Really this guy's really dead? He's actually dead. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, because it goes even deeper. So then I figure out he's dead. So I'm like, well, this guy owes me some money. So we put a claim in on his estate. Well, it took three years for that estate to close. I expected Ooh, this guy to have no money, but they pulled $50,000 out of his house from him doing this. Okay. Selling vehicles. They pulled out a bunch of titles and keys and other stolen vehicles from his property. So, yeah, three years later, it took, or it took three years for that estate to close or that court case to close. Well, of course, the attorneys get their 200 and some thousand for their three years of work. Sure. And then the Why three. Why would they not? Well, of course. And then the three of us that had claims on his estate for what, they, what he did had a percentage base split the rest and i think the rest was like 15 grand so i got my four thousand dollars back and you so you lost 19 or you so i guess at the 15. end of the day it was probably a 15 then i washed on oh that hurts it hurts it wasn't fun so at that so point in time did you have to pay the other guy back that you yeah the the, the guy when i got you? sued yeah, yeah. I, I think we settled a little less i think okay because basically i reached out to a couple of attorneys and i didn't really have a leg to stand on supposedly uh, of course. So did that guy, the guy that sued you, was he pissed? Or he just sued you because that's what he had to do? It, to, in order to figure it out. Like, I don't it think out. it was anything personal. Yeah. I didn't do it to him intentionally. Yeah, obviously, right. I had no idea. Right. Um, but obviously, he wants to be compensated or whatever. Well, of course, he get his money back because yeah. like, he had to give this vehicle to the insurance company. So he's out of vehicle. Sure. He's out the money he paid me. So, yep, he has to sue me, and then it's, rough. it's on me to go sue the next guy. And I, I got to keep suing people. Yeah, well, the guy that I bought it from, he's gone. Right. Uh -huh. So that's, I got hosed there. You did? Yeah. And that wasn't that long ago then. No, so I was, well, I was a year after graduating college, so 2016, 17. Okay. So, yeah, we, well, yeah, then we would have been just about playing softball together. Very close yeah, to. Yeah, because I think, did we play softball when I was in college? I think we did. 
I think Maybe so. Maybe a little bit. Because I sold your house in 2018, I think. And that's when I came back from the cities. Okay. Yeah, because I think we came back from the cities. Because this all happened when I was living up in the cities now. Okay. Um, Were you uh, working as a mortgage lender up there too then? Yep. So that's merchants or? Yep. Okay. Yeah, so that's the job I took out of college. Was sure. Mortgage lender in our cottage grove location up there. That's where this all happened. Oh, yeah. I remember you said that when we first started hanging out. You're like, ah, I was up in Cottage Grove. I do remember that. But, like, during that whole time, I had that old five Grand Cherokee I talked about. Yep. Always had that. And I'll just as my extra vehicle. And then I bought another Wrangler as the fun vehicle. Well, then at that point in time, I sold the Wrangler to kind of recoup the money. Sure. To pay this guy off that I had to sue me. <laughs> which, which is fair. Like, I don't fault the guy for doing that. Well, no. And he's a fire chief, you know. Yeah, it yes. does think. I mean, you would probably, we probably both would do the we same. We would thing. all probably do the same. So, like, no ill will against that yeah. guy. Yeah. And he talked to you beforehand. So, yeah, he's like, hey, we got his attorney's probably like, hey, this is what you have to do. And if you want to recoup your money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't fault the guy at all. So, now what do you drive? Oh, no, wait, wait. Back to Gladiator. We you had go back three to the reasons why you love, why you bought it. Yes. Because it's a, it's a love-hate relationship, it seems like, where people either love it or hate it. Nobody's like, yep. uh, kind of, yeah, I'm in between, I don't know. And I can see how people would love and hate it, because if you get a very base model, they don't look that great. They do they got, not. I don't know, all-season tires on them, the wheels yeah. don't look that great, soft top. Yeah. They just don't style that well. Yeah, when you get, in my mind, when you get a, a Jeep, um, it's got to have the matching colored top to it. It can't have a cloth. It can't have the black plastic. It's got to match. So if you have a white one, it's got to have the white painted one. And um, Stephanie just looked at one. We didn't like the way it drove, but it also had a lift kit on it. Okay. And it also had like 35 or 37-inch tires on it. We drove it down the interstate to test drive it, and it felt like it was like – it just felt weird. And it could have been the lift. It could have been the giant tires. It wasn't stock. Probably by any floated. Means. It kind of felt like it was floating. And then when she went to press on the brakes <laughs> – the steering wheel one. Yes. Death wobble. Yeah, well, well, what's that then? So Jeeps are notorious for death wobble. Oh, okay. The new ones really don't have it. I had it in the Gladiator a little bit. So I went to get different wheels out of Madison with a buddy. On the way there, we hit like an overpass and just kind of like yep. kind of floated a little bit and all of a sudden just starts wobbling. And then came back here. I'm like, hey, I got death wobble in this thing. Like, cause this is a brand new truck. Like, take care of it. They put a steering stabilizer in it. Sure. And it just basically, yeah, it just the suspension just gets loose. Huh. Well, that was definitely what was wrong with this because she was not adamant, but she was really wanting a Jeep Wrangler. And so we did that, and I, I probably put a sour taste in her mouth. And she's like, I don't think this is that practical of a vehicle when we're going to start having a family soon. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, she ended up with a Honda Pilot, which was nothing we were looking at. Not even close. But... A Honda Pilot. I tell you what, that thing drives just as smooth as an Lexus or an Acura. I couldn't believe it. Really? She, it threw both of us off. So she bought this one at Tom Cadillac Honda in um, Rochester. Rochester. Yep. And so we looked at three different vehicles. It was a Lexus GX460. She wanted something with a bigger engine than she had because the other ones just never warmed up. And I go, well, Lexus, you're going to have nice little luxury items, and you're going to have the V8, so it's going to warm up. However, it doesn't have very many features. The, the screen really? even on a Lexus it didn't have that yeah, many features. Yeah, dude, you would think. Was but, it a newer vehicle? 2020. Yeah, so and it new. had like this old school screen. But Toyota and Lexuses are notorious for having their infotainment systems really 
old. Basic. So people said, like, when you look at a Tundra from about 2010 or seven or something, like somewhere in that area, it's about the same all the way to 2020 until they just got their new body style. Everything from the steering wheel to the infotainment center. Well, the same thing. You looked at this infotainment center. It looked like something from my 2009 Dodge Challenger. So she wasn't too thrilled about that, but she loved the way it drove and all that. But it was more expensive than what she ended up with by $10,000 and had more miles on it. So anyways, we test drove that, a Acura and a Bronco. Because she was like, okay. well, Bronco is, you know, I said, might as well test drive a Bronco if you like a Jeep. Very and similar. Bronco was cool, but didn't have very many features in it. Okay. And so there's different trim levels to that, just yes. like there are for the Jeeps. And then we were like, ah, nothing. We didn't like anything. Guys goes, have you ever tried a Honda Pilot? We're like, no. So he had to take one of the brand new ones off the lot. And I'm like, there's no way we're buying a brand new one. Stephanie wouldn't want that anyways. So we didn't buy a brand new one, but we drove it and we're like, this is smooth. Mm -hmm. And so then there happened to be one that was six years older, a 2017, with very low miles on it that old couple had. They had 35,000, no, 34,000 miles on it. It was the Honda Pilot Elite, and it has the Blu-ray player in it, heated rear seats. It had heated and cooled front seats, heated steering wheel, Apple CarPlay. It had all these features, and it was six years older. Mm -hmm. And she goes, I really like this. And she goes, maybe we just get this, and it'll be our family car, and we just buy a cheap Jeep like you would do. And she goes, and it'll be a fun thing for the summer. And we have the Jeep because she wanted to get, like, a Rubicon you know, something that was about like $40,000 that mm -hmm. had all the bells and whistles on it. And as she drove that, it had the death wobble, like you said. And I think that was a big turnoff for her. Right. So we never, ever got that. But back to your Jeep Gladiator, you bought it for three reasons that you liked. But then I want to hear those first. And then I want to hear why you didn't like it. Fair. So the three reasons were, yes, I wanted to buy a new Wrangler. I was wanting one as a toy. Figured, well, I could do that if I buy a Gladiator. Yeah. Kinda, it's, it's a Wrangler. Take mm -hmm. the top off, doors off, whatever I want. It's got a bed. Yep, and it's got a bed. Yep. Um, I need a new daily. Okay. So I need a new daily driver getting rid of the Jeep I had at that time, which was a 15 Grand Cherokee. Yeah. So the one that the stolen one? No. So I had that this 13, and then I had a 2015 Grand Cherokee. Okay. Um, so was getting rid of that just because I think I had 100000 on it, so it was time for something new. It's time for something new. It's time for something and new. And you're sick of cars about as fast as I am. But honestly, I drove <laughs> that probably three years, which is the longest I ever had a vehicle. I think still to this day. I'm impressed. Yeah, <laughs> three years, long I'm time, impressed. long time. So I was just ready for something new. Sure. And then I'm like, I kind of want a truck at the same time. Just, I don't know. I own a house now. I got yard work, things to do. I I'm a know. man. I'm, I'm a man, man now. Got to be a man. Got to get that man card buy a truck. So I went and bought a Gladiator, a little Tonka truck. <laughs> a Tonka truck. <laughs> That's what I always called it. The fence like that deep on it. Yeah, it's, it's that deep. But honestly, it worked well on Jeep. Really, like, gave us some thought when they created yeah that, that is a truck because like they made some stops like on the tailgate to where the tailgate would stop at the exact same height as the wheel wells so if you need to put like an eight foot sheet of plywood on it it was all flat oh so they really oh so like, there was no wheel well hump there was wheel well humps in it but they made the tailgate sit at the exact same level so like it had a it could go all the way down or oh, it could, or it could sit halfway down oh cool to where it'd be the exact same height as the wheel well so then that sheet of plywood would be flat. Oh, gotcha. That's kind of neat. Yeah, so, like, they made the five-foot box practical. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I always called it either the Tonka truck. Someone named it the Juck, the Jeep truck. <laughs> the Juck. The Juck. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I, I liked it. I, it was fun to have. Honestly, in the what I own it two years, bought it brand new. Always said I'd never buy anything brand new. Yeah, and right. did. And just when I was searching, I couldn't find anything used that made sense to buy used for the price. Yep. So this was everything I wanted. Bought it, drove it thirty four or five thousand miles. Okay. Got rid of it. Um, do you, what uh, trim level did you get? It was actually the 80th anniversary. Oh, okay. So I was dead set on buying an Overland. Okay. So is that the middle line? I yeah, over, Overland's probably the middle line. It's not like Rubicon's the top, right? Uh, it depends on who you're talking to. Okay. So Rubicon and Mojave are more like the off-road versions, but there's, I guess, if we're talking most expensive, it's going to be the high altitude. Okay. But that's like the bougie. Bougie jet. Yes. It's got high. Yeah, it's got all the options. Everything's color matched. Everything's paint matched. That's probably what I would be wanting. Yeah, I could see you driving a high Mom, bougie. And that's kind of what I wanted, but I didn't want to spend another 25 grand for that package. Sure. Well, 25 grand then. You can make it look like that for 25 grand or less. Exactly. And that's kind of what I did. Yep. So I bought, I was looking for an Overland, which had all the bells and whistles I wanted. Sure. I wanted the bigger screen, kind of wanted some. I'm trying to remember everything I really wanted on it. But the Overland was the lowest package that had everything. Didn't find that. Found this 80th anniversary, which I wasn't even looking at, which has different interior. It had, like, cross-stitch seats. Oh, that's sweet, some, though. It, it was pretty sweet. And it had absolutely every bell and whistle because it was, like, the dealer's test version. No. Oh. So I had 1,000 miles on it when I bought it. Did you get it for a cheaper price then because yep. of that? Oh, absolutely. Did you get it here in town? No, I tried to buy it here in town. They didn't have a whole lot at the, on the lot. Sure. I wanted to, and they couldn't quite order what I wanted yep. for the price okay gotcha. I, I, I would like to uh, no they were wonderful to work with here in town but just didn't quite happen okay so found it in rochester and actually this is a funny story because i was i was actually dead set i was gonna buy a willis out of the cities the wi- uh, the willies yeah the- yep okay gotcha which just because it was all black had mud tires on it looked pretty decent was going up to the cities to buy one i don't know why i stopped for coffee halfway there Decided to look on their website to take another quick look at the truck, make sure that, yep, this is the one I want before I make the drive. Yep. Noticed it wasn't on there, called, nope, sold the night before. Even though I called and told them I was coming, they were going to deliver to the dealership because they have a couple different locations in the cities. Sure. So they sold the one I was going there to buy that day. Was that Adamson that you went to? That's where I ended up buying one. Well, oh, okay. I was already halfway to the cities. Oh, So I'm gotcha. like, oh, I'll just go to Rochester, see what they got, maybe test drive one, because at that point in time I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I'll test drive one, see if I like it. Well, I show up, and they have this black 80th anniversary sitting on that. I'm like, well, that's sharp looking. It's got all everything I want on it. I'm going to take it for, to, for a test drive. Test drove it, liked it, went back the next day and bought it. Sure, obviously. So it just kind of worked out perfect that yeah. I was in your It wasn't meant to be. Yeah, but this one was meant to be, I guess. So. Well, I remember, this is funny, <laughs> you and me, I met you at Island City one day in January, and this is when all those Lambos were coming through in January. Oh, yeah, I do remember And that. I walk in, and I'm like, Chris, you get new tires on your car? Yeah, how'd you know? And you're like, I'm like, they're... They they look more aggressive. Yeah, and I was like, I wasn't sure if that was your vehicle, but we're meeting here, so I'm. Well, I mean, there's a black Gladiator. I'm like, you got new tires, didn't you? Yep, sure did. I do remember. And they that. look sharp. Yeah, I went from thir- the factory 32s up to 35s, and it changed yep. it. So I went. It looked better. So I was talking about sure. the high altitude package. Yep. I went and bought the wheels off a of high altitude. Actually, I traded with a guy. Oh, he, you traded? Yeah, we met halfway from Indiana. So another car story. Oh gosh. So. He wanted the wheels I had on my Jeep. 
I wanted the wheels he had on his truck. He had a high altitude. I had the 80th anniversary. He wanted those wheels for whatever reason. So he's from Indiana. We met in Madison one night, traded wheels at a discount tire, and drove away. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's meet up at discount tire. <laughs> right. They can change our wheels together. Yeah, so, so it was kind that's of funny. That's a cute story. It was a that cute story. That was a, a long story. That, that's, you know what? They call that a meat cute. Well, that's a cute? man meat cute. I like it. <laughs> no, yeah. so it, but it worked out perfect. We both got what we were looking for. So I yeah. got the 20. Did you trade up straight up? I think I gave him a little cash. Okay. His were worth more then? To me. Because at that point in time, I was Suppose planning tires. on. I was looking to buy a whole other set of those wheels and tires. So I was going to spend probably close to two grand just to buy oh, those sure. wheels and tires. Just give him yours and a little cash. And I think I gave him like 200 bucks. Oh. It's worth it. And then. they were both brand new, had like 5,000 miles on it at that and point. And you met time. a guy. And I met a guy. <laughs> I met a guy. Met a steel worker out of Indiana. Oh, that's cute. So then, okay, let's go on to what were the crappy things about this that you're like, eh, because now what are you driving? Now I have a new F 150. Okay, Ford yeah. F 150. XLT, all the bells and whistles without going to a platinum, okay. King Ranch, anything like that. Okay, so what didn't you like then about the Gladiator? Why I think it comes it? back to me getting old and cranky. So <laughs> after you're not even cranky. I, I, know, I know. You're I'm not, not a cranky guy. No. So and you're not old. No, I'm working on you it. You are. Well, you're like you're 30 now, ish. Ish. Because I'm 36. What, what, what I got a couple. And weeks. if you're six years younger than me, you gotta be getting the 30. Then I got three weeks till I'm 30. Three weeks. Well, what working are, on uh, it. Hopefully. When, I get when's there. your birthday? February 18th. Oh my! Two, three days after my mom's. Better not forget it. But I won't forget it now. <laughs> you won't forget it. <laughs> I won't forget Facebook that now. will remind you. That's right. Yeah. And I will probably say happy birthday with two beers cheersing each Cheers. other. So, um, okay, you didn't like it. Three reasons. Or um, some I, I don't reason. know how many reasons there were. Um, and I think someone put this, another Jeep owner put this into my head, that uh, it gets dusty really easy. And I think it becomes from, the, like, the removable hard tops or the freedom sure. tops. Yep. So they're probably, probably not airtight. Seals. Yeah, not airtight, like you said. Yeah, so, like. The dash was always dusty. Yeah. It was a smaller cab. It was tight. Um, didn't ride wonderful. It rode really nice for a Wrangler, a truck, okay. a Jeep. But it didn't ride great. Was it loud in the cab? And that was my third thing. Is, All right, yes, you, you got it. It's like driving a cooler down the interstate because you guys test drove that Wrangler. <laughs> yeah, you know wild. you know how those tops and are. And that had a hard top that was matching colors and everything. So yeah. I'm like, you can't get any more insulated. So if this is what it sounds like. And Stephanie didn't really mind that. But then again, my truck has howling tires, as my dad says. Mm-hmm. And it's loud, but it's got oversized tires on it, too. Yeah. They're but aggressive. Like- it's but probably it was, much this was quieter. Louder. This was yes, loud. It was. The, it, like, you can hear all the wind noise going over it because mm-hmm. it's basically like you're driving a an, cooler. In, a cooler. Yeah. Yes. Now, and what kind of cooler are we talking? Yeti? Are we talking not Coleman? quite a Yeti. This is an igloo. <laughs> Damn igloo. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. So there's not a lot between you and the wind going over the truck. No, I know so, what you're talking about. But it still drove really nice, but yep. it, it was louder. I was just... I think I was just getting sick of that. And probably, I would too. If that was my daily driver, I would probably be sick of it. It wasn't like I wouldn't love taking it to the cities. A two-hour drive yeah, no. on the interstate. Got terrible mileage. Half of the problem is probably me throwing the 35s on it. Well, yeah, but so, that's cool. And it's a brick on wheels, like I said. It looked cool, yeah. Yeah. It was all black. Did you ever windows. take it through a car wash? Always. Did it daily. leak? Nope. I never had a single leak in okay, there. Okay, so it was tighter sealed than, yeah. than maybe thought. Because Probably. of the dust. I think maybe someone just 
put that thought in my head. Yeah, could have been. I mean, my desk, my dash gets dusty too, but maybe not as much. So, did you take all the tops off at one point? Did you ever have everything I, off? I never took off the doors, and I never took off the back half of the top. Really? That's my biggest regret of that oh truck. Oh my gosh! I don't know how I didn't do it. I was hoping you would say yes, and and then my next question was, how was it? No, I, I would always take off the freedom tops because you could take those off in two What's minutes. The freedom top is that just the top part? That's just in front of the driver and the passenger seat. Ah, yes. Okay, and so I know what you're talking the, about. The, then there's the back two, row, and then there's like the L. Yeah, that yeah, comes the over. L. Okay, so I know what you're talking about. But it was really nice. You take them off in two minutes, throw them in the back seat. And yeah, those were easy to take off. It was like a T top then almost. Yeah, so it was like yep. three, not switches. It was uh, like toggles. What do we? Yeah, do? I, don't, we I know. The guy showed us too. It's real simple to take off because I had T tops in a couple of my cars, and all it was was like a latch, and you just put it up yep. and put it in the back, and it was. It were they weren't heavy. One person can do it. My my other question was going to be, how many people did it take to take off the back hatch? But you never did it. So. So what <laughs> I was planning to do, which I had with one of my Wranglers. However, yeah, you've had other Wranglers, so you probably know. Yeah, it's not too hard, and I've heard it's not too heavy, and you can do it by yourself. Sure. But I was just going to put a hoist in the garage. Oh, you can either make a hoist yeah, like with a either, yeah, either a pulley, sure. ratchet straps. Whatever I thought about you that do. too. You know, I thought about if I ever got another truck, I would maybe get a topper on the back. And the only reason I would get a topper is if I ever had to take the dog somewhere. However, I would want a pulley system where I could go underneath it, latch it, pull it up. Because I'm sure I'm assuming they're not a one man job. It's probably no, a two probably or three. just because they're big and awkward. Yeah, you probably can lift it, but. They're not easy to. Yeah, so that's what I thought because I was like, oh man, you know, I want, I like my my sports truck. And I was telling you before we got on the cast, I was like, well, you know, I'd like to get a TRX someday, mm-hmm. and you know, for obvious reasons, I have the Ford Shelby truck, and um, I put a topper on the back, and then whenever I wouldn't need it, just go under and crank it up and lift it to the and ceiling, then drive out of it, and then just drive. It's kind of nice. Yeah, it, it, that would be ideal for me. But like you said takes a couple people because it, I was telling you, Steph and I would like to get someday in the near future, a couple summers from now, just a two-door, four-door, whatever it might be, Jeep Wrangler, but we would probably never, ever put the tops on. We'd just take them off, and it'd don't. only be summer car. I don't give a shit if it rains because I know that they have the plugs in them. You yep. just let it rain, and Do it's good. Do a two-door. It's more of a toy. It's more enjoyable. Sure. It's more of a Jeep feel. We always the four-door, the unlimited. The dogs in the back, though. Yeah, that's true. You can pull the back seat in the two-doors. Let me pull them out. Yeah. You know what? Well we, well, we can roll it. We can wrap this up. It's been two hours, man. Oh, shit. Let's wrap this up. It's been two. Wrap it up, then. We can wrap well, it up. Okay. So my, my final question, this is how I was going to wrap this up, because you brought this up. Uh-oh. Uh, because, uh, well. Here comes the real question. Oh, he lost 15 grand on a car. Yes. However, you've dealt in, what, like 20-some-odd cars in just private party sales? All private party other than two. Okay, so you've done more than not. Yes. So for those who are listening out there, because a lot of people like to do, I like to do private party sales because yeah. I know I'm going to make more money off of it than the dealers screw me over. That's why mm-hmm. they're called a stealership. There's no, no middleman. There's no middleman. They're not stealing from you like the stealerships do. So when you go to sell a car, this is how I want to wrap this up. When you go to sell a car or buy a car, private mm-hmm. party, what do you need to look for? Is there like three, four, five things you got to look for? When you're buying, because you told us, you're like, I took a picture of this guy's thing, VIN number, right. and it still happened. And, and it's I, just I unfortunate. I think that would have happened to almost anything. Sure. Or anybody. I think it could have happened to a dealership. Okay. I think he could have sold that vehicle to a dealership. Unfortunately, he was a they have insurance that would probably Correct. cover their ass They on probably would have been didn't. fine. Um, what do you, what the do list you of do? things. What do you do when you what go to look, look at it? Before I even look at it, I'll pull 
a VIN report, whether that's just going to... There's online resources, like free VIN report, okay. which gives you a little bit of information. Did they pay for it? No. That, okay. that, that one's so, free. First one, free VIN report if I you're going to go buy a private party. Yeah, or just Google VIN report or, or VIN, VIN search. Or honestly, pay for a Carfax. Carfax. That was my next thing because I've done that before. It's 30 bucks. You get a whole history report. But if you're serious about the car, it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So free VIN report. Or if you got 30 bucks, which I think everyone pisses away 30 bucks pretty easy, get a Carfax. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Okay. What, what's the next thing you would do? Private party is obviously check the title. Make sure there's no liens. Make sure it's clean. Not a salvage title, rebuilt title. Yep. Unless you know that going into the transaction. Okay, so look Lemon at titles, titles, your next thing. Make sure it doesn't say something like there's a lien on it, and if there is, make sure they have a lien release or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Next thing. Check an ID. Check their it, ID? Check their ID. Okay. It might be a weird question, but I usually, like, at the end, like, when I'm giving them <laughs> yes. cash or giving them a check, just be like, hey, could I get a quick picture of your ID? And then I, I can use the easy story now, like, I got screwed over once. Don't want to get screwed over again. And you can lie to anybody else. Yeah, and say anybody can say that. Just, just say it's happened or just yeah. to protect both of us, whatever sure. it might be. Absolutely. Um, a dealership does it, so who cares? So the other thing, look for their ID or try to get some sort of copy of their ID, whether you take a picture with your cell phone or whatever it is. Next. Bring someone with you that knows what they're looking for. Okay. If it's not you, if, if you don't know what you're looking for, sure. easy things are look under the engine. Is it wet? What's the easiest thing to look for? Is there leaking oil, fluids of any sort? Okay. So just look for debris sticking to the engine. Now, another thing that I've always heard is see if you can take it to a local mechanic. Yes. However, if you're traveling, let's just say, to Indiana buying a car or Kentucky or wherever it might be, is it that easy to find someone? If you are if you know where you're meeting, you might be able to call some shops. They'll be like, hey, can I get an appointment? We're going to check out this car. Yep. So, th- yeah, I think a lot of shops will do okay. that. Like a... Certain inspection. So possibly bring someone else with you that knows a little bit about cars or just the basics or see if you can go get a mechanic to look at it at a small mechanic shop. The other thing is, is obviously I don't advise lying, but if you tell the person you're buying from like, oh, yeah, I'm bringing my buddy that knows all about cars. He's a Ford mechanic. Yeah. They're going to probably tell you right off the bat. Sure. Except I've drove to Indiana to look at a vehicle that he knew I was driving back. We knew what we were looking for. I had a vice grip on the brake line. What's that? What's a vice grip? Like a, a lock, channel lock. Okay. Vice, like a uh, pliers, uh, yeah, locking yeah, pliers. Yeah. He had that on the what? On the brake line, so it wouldn't leak fluid. So that brake, oh, that caliper wasn't grabbing. So oh my And gosh. he knew I had to drive that vehicle eight hours home, and that was a corner dealer. Oh, that was a dealer? That, that one was a dealer. Yeah, some of those third-party dealers, though, yes. that aren't like a big... You know, the ones where they're fancy, yes, they can be so a little shady. So that was shady. another interesting story we didn't even get into. No, that's I okay. I got lots though. of them. Well, no, man, we can do part twos because I got other people coming on. Like, I got a buddy of mine. We're going to do cigars someday. We're not going to do beer. Well, we'll do, like, bourbon and stuff, but we'll have a cigar, too. That's you need to invite you back for that one, too? Yes, sir. Let's let's make that a group one. Well, you know Josh, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I like listening to Josh because I'm like, I'm glad Josh told me all about bourbon. Now I know all about it. Yeah, I, I, knew it I knew enough. Yeah. But Josh, he schooled everybody. I know, man. There's so much, and I'm learning everything, which is so fun because I don't know some of this stuff. Like Terrapin, I've heard of it, but I don't know much about it. And this is a darn good beer, this Luau. Yeah, the Luau. So that's what you need to look out for. If you're going to go buy a private party, do your due diligence, they would call it in the real Mm -hmm. estate world, probably in every other world too. But do your due diligence because you don't want to lose a little bit of cash or a lot of bit of cash. Or or a a good chunk of cash. Well, anyways, um, since you got to pee, I got to pee. It's been 
two plus hours actually. Time for bed. It's <laughs> well, or another drink. Or, or another knows. drink. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, anyways, I appreciate you coming out here, taking time out of your Saturday because tonight is Saturday, and uh, I know you got other obligations that you could have probably been doing. But we appreciate you, or I appreciate you. Maybe the listeners do too. I we'll sure find hope so. out. But uh, yeah, this has been another edition of Bruising Cruise. So we're gonna cheers one more time. To Chris Thrun being on the cast, bringing us some Terrapin, giving us not only some insight on cars, but also a little bit on golf. And don't forget, this guy's a mortgage lender here in Winona, Minnesota at Merchants. So why don't you hit him up? And you hit me up, too, and I'll sell you the house. And then you'll go see him, get that money, and we'll close the transaction. But I appreciate you again coming on out. So we're going to wrap this up by saying have a good night, stay safe, and thanks for tuning in.